Welcome back once again to WTF and Vonadil with Spicy and the Fox Danger. And today we're going to cover something. The trifecta, if you will. The final part in the trilogy. Yeah, we finally got around to getting me to do it, huh? Hey, well, things happen. Yeah, it's true, it's true. Uh, but yeah, uh, part three of the mechanics episodes, uh, we want to cover supports today. And um, I, I went through like a lot of uh, formulas and stats and stuff on the previous ones. And this one here is going to be a lot more um, theory and mindsets, um, since I don't necessarily want to rehash stuff you've already heard. So we'll, we'll get into that in a bit. Well, if you want to make it in a way they haven't heard it, you have to present it in the proper way. You have to engage them, Fox, like this. Haste icon in the sky. I can parse twice as high. So take a look. Are your parties on the hook? It's support mechanics. I was really hoping you'd use grappling hook. like you just Gra- Grappling hook would have been the proper one. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, so apparently you have a jingle for this, too, and that's concerning. Well, you know, it just happened one day. I, uh... I was in bed or something. I think in the morning I woke up and Carrot and I were talking. It's like, no support mechanics is tonight. And it just something reading Rainbow happened for some inexplicable reason. I, I, <laughs> I have no idea, but reading Rainbow, LeVar Burton is the shit, man. Reading Rainbow. You know, Dude, I missed that. This is a simpler time, man. It's a time when people actually read things and knew how to do things, which is not the time we live in today. And oddly, yeah, you know, reading things and uh, processing them, you know, making judgment calls. It's almost like we're going to talk about all this sort of thing today. So, uh, it's kind of a, I guess reading rainbow might actually be the theme. Well, you have all those icons up in the sky, man. It's like a rainbow of icons. How can I pay attention to these icons? <laughs> right. So how are you, Fox? Um, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I finally uh, finished the uh, the base, for, or not even the base version, um, the everything up to the uh, non-afterglow um, version of Bird Gang. Um, so I finally sat down and took care of that. It's been pretty sweet, but I still don't know quite how I feel with about it yet. and what sets I'm going to put it in because it is very against my play style. Like, again, I'm not saying Bird Gang's bad, but it's just something you got to get used to when you play a certain way. Um, other than that, um, it's really been pretty low key lately. Um, I've been considering whether or not I want to keep pursuing the engineering degree that I'm on or if I want to switch over to computer science because uh, like a lot of my classes overlap with that. And I, I'm trying to figure out which one I'm more interested in, but I guess that's just you know a personal Fox problem, but it's still part of how I am. And like the rest of it, I think uh, you would actually know because I'm going to ask you how you've been. But uh, we've actually we've actually done some stuff together on the game. I know I'm so special. I get to have fun with Fox, right? Do some non-conventional Odyssey things. Get to play Blue Mage. That's that's fun. That's the best job. Yeah, man. Getting to play it in a bunch of like different ways too. Like you don't just have to CDC spam. I pretty much don't. And this scenario is not one in which I get to use CDC, so I am not CDCing in our runs. It's true, it's true. I do need to make enabling though now. Yeah, guys. So uh, what we've been doing is we've been uh, we've actually teamed up for some Odyssey. Um, one person in our group, in my group, has taken a break, and Spicy's said that he'd step in, and uh, he's been doing the farm with us, and he's been doing some bosses with us, and uh, he got to, he got to experience like one of probably one of the the greatest Embos wins that I've seen in a very long time. Hey, it was a win. No, there was oh, nothing, it, there was nothing wrong with how we did it. Yeah, it was actually incredibly smooth for it not being like a meta approach to how do you fight Embos. You know? I used Frightful Roar. Right. I had to use Frightful Roar because I didn't know if Tenerable Crush was landing. We had Threnody on, but sometimes the Roar wouldn't land on the first cast. It was less than landing the first cast generally, but sometimes it take one or two times of recasting it to, uh, to get it on. But it was nice to know my defense down was on, and it was actually very important. 
Yeah, I wish I would have known if mine was on or not. <laughs> I don't know. It felt how... like it was on, but I, I'm pretty sure I was wrong. I don't know how I feel about this beer fox. It's fun, but I'm not sure yet. Oh, yeah. It is. I don't know about the one love part, but it is definitely spicy and floral, and I like the spicy part. So, I think I would like the spicy part of it too. Uh, but I don't know. Does it taste like you're drinking a wheat field? It is. Ve- you know, you are having quite the beer when you drink this. So it's a. It's a from Blue Point Brewing up in New York, which I like Blue Point Blue Point Brewing, and uh, it's a. It's. It's supposed to be a play on. I don't know if it's. With Bob Marley or something? I don't know, but it's Rastafar Rye Ale, and it's a West Coast-style rye ale, and I have never had a rye ale before, so I go, okay, let's try that. And it, it, is, uh, it is interesting. It, it smells almost like a, a citrusy IPA, but it does not taste like one, and it is, it's not citrusy either. It's just, it's like rye, as in, obviously, if anyone's ever had a rye whiskey, it is, it's definitely got some rye notes, and it is, it is fun. I'm kind of enjoying how different it is. Just describing it, it almost sounds like a a weird pilsner but it's really yeah I, i've never had a i've never had a rye beer either so like pre-show we were talking about this and i was trying to get him to describe it to me i've just i've just never had a rye ale and neither have i and it's also 7.6 percent. not that I, I don't like my beers high because i like to enjoy beer if i want something higher i get something higher but it is uh it is interesting it is definitely an evening sort of beer that kicks the crap out of my dr pepper that's for sure it's it's lukewarm still right i uh, no, no i actually have ice in this one um it's fairly fresh fairly fresh fairly fresh so as far as i am um i'm I'm doing all right you know just on a slow metamorphosis of a psychological journey which no that's not drugs that's just me taking stock of my life and thinking about what i value relationships this and that and uh just you know trying to sort out the events of my life up into the point i'm at and where i'm going and you know the the things you do when you mature and just trying to you know, feel out my ideas of life and you know, those typical things I think about. So I'm very stoic in nature out of necessity. So I'm just trying to evaluate my overall being. Otherwise, um... It sounds like chasing the dragon to me. <laughs> no. Um, otherwise, Carrot got this misfit market thing and like 20 pounds of misfit vegetables showed up in a box at the door today. So that was... That's so wait, wait, wait. What makes it a misfit vegetable? Uh, so basically, it has to look like a Russian whore. Otherwise, you can't put it in. Cool. <laughs> you can't. Well, in New Jersey, what they do is they send... It's got a big Russian population and Polish and Portuguese. New Jersey's got a microcosm of things going here. What they do is they send over all these Russian girls to work the strip clubs and stuff. So that's, where I'm, that's why I'm saying Russian. Not because I think Russians are whores. I don't. Although, it depends how they feel about Ukraine. If they've got some problems with Ukraine, they've got some problems <laughs> with them. Otherwise, um, if, the, if, the, if the value of them doesn't look good, like if the green pepper has a little bit of yellow in it, it's not a green pepper anymore. I can't sell it. So, you know, those kind of things, you know, if the tomato is like not perfectly round, then those things don't get put sent to the grocery store because people are very, it's incredible if you ever watch people shop, how incredibly mentally ill they are and i'm just going to say that because the ocd of how people shop is ridiculous just watch someone take an item from you know, in front and just throw it somewhere else and take the item behind it same item same everything just don't want the one in front the, the one in front's bad so that's how things in the store work as far as i understand my research into misfit companies because this isn't the only one but we got like a thing for it in the uh 
in some she bought something i don't know she buys things and uh there's a coupon so we tried it so i have all these vegetables in a box now it's a rescue shelter for salads yeah i had uh had some ravioli and shit tonight and she made uh like took like the leaves from uh the beets and and some squash and stuff and some onions and it, it was a good little dish with the with the with the ravioli it was fun yeah. but that's me um otherwise there's not too much i'm doing in game recently i'm working on the guides working on rune fencer now to try and optimize sets and and stuff like that so uh that's- yeah you uh you asked a really good question about uh well just you know opinions on the the sets that you posted just for the uh the dt versus uh in Incart- or was it like magic vision versus Incartata? i was looking at the vexor ring um plus one which is 55 hp four amity and four magic defense bonus in the finger slot because nayama adds a lot of dt and opens up options versus the vexed ring or something so well, that's something like vengeance ring that's it which is some nine magic evasion three enmity and 20 hp mp it's funny how i had that in my head now because i was doing it but um i was trying to compare it's like eh, i think i have enough magic evasion i want to take the magic defense bonus but you know so it's that was those kind of ponderances i think i uh i think i actually ended up uh getting martell to to test uh what is it? What is it? The eleven enmity and uh, in Empyrean legs for Rune versus um, the the new Naomi legs and what bonuses they provide. And like I, I think, trying to quantify that distance, that difference, or whatever. I think I'm ready to get rid of those legs. I don't think the two percent parry and what they offer the enmity. I don't think that's nearly as valuable as what Naomi offers now because it's a lot of HP, defense, and stats, and it's, I think it's all around a better piece. So I I agree. I, I really think it's the eleven enmity that's really the talking point anymore. Nah, I and, think people uh, look at the Incartata. That's what I look at. Well, I, I know, no, I know. People will look at the Incartata because they're like, oh, rare stat. Let's put this on here because they think it's going to matter more. Um, but I think that the true talking point, though, is you're comparing the 11 Enmity that's already on those pants to the bonuses of Naomi. And I just don't think the 11 Enmity is going to hold up. But that's uh, that's what I think Martel's going to test at some point. I don't think so. it's going to hold up either, even though Rune doesn't get Enmity no. gear. I think it's still more important to bleed less Enmity. Yeah, yeah, and and that's ultimately what will end up happening is like, yeah, sure, you'll you'll take more damage and um, you'll you'll receive more debuffs that will again cause you to take more damage and stuff like that. And and I just think at, at some point, being able to prevent all that from happening is going to overtake the eleven enmity that you'd have in idle. Um, so yeah, and to be fair, you can open up the ring slots and more enmity as I was doing before. So it's not a true eleven enmity loss. Yeah, basically, I feel more comfortable to wear uh, the cryptic earring or whatever with the HP counter and uh, enmity on it as well if I'm using the Ami or something else because other pieces have taken over. And it's not like you have to lose the Incortata; you can still keep the cape five percent, the terms plus one five percent, and um, where the terms hands and stuff. You can still have an Incortata build. The two percent parry there is not making or breaking that build. The other pieces are much more important. But it's not a Rune Fencer episode, so. Well, yeah, but I, it's it's it was still an, an interesting topic. Oh, it's I mean, you were changing the guide, so yeah. Well, it's not changed yet. I'm just the existing stuff. I'm going to have it there and just add. There's NQ and HQ. I'm just going to have HQ two and add Nayame because it, not everyone has Nayame. I'd imagine it's easier to have Nayame than Terms Plus One. It's cheaper, but you know, you still need the feet at the very least. So it's not like you're. You only need. I only had three pieces of it before, so needing one less, which I'll still keep for the regain idol. Uh, I don't think people don't have to buy it now, but it changes the sets. Yeah. No, we'll see what uh, we'll see what comes of that, of course. Um, so, what are you thinking? We're going to move on to the uh, the email because we have quite a bit to cover in this particular episode. I don't know how much we want to. Yeah, 
Otherwise, I think we wrap the embos up. That was fun. People are going to ask about it in the Discord, I'm sure, so we can talk about it there. And I didn't record it because, you know, I wasn't set up to do that. So maybe another time. Maybe V10. That'll be fun. V10 with Blue Mage. Yeah, yeah, because we should be able to conquer that the same way without issue. Uh, I know Ileana streamed it, but I don't know the name of her stream or anything. And, you know, I'm not really out for, like, promoting streams on, on podcasts and everything. I but can't watch I, I know it's that so there's... yellow. Well, there's a video of it out there somewhere, so it's good that it's at least documented, so in case, you know, by the time I get around to it again, I fuck it up or something, um, I can remember how we did it. It's like, when yeah. I when I watch the stream, the problem I have is it's like watching an old N64 or NES or something that was plugged into the TV, and the ports weren't good in the back, so the RGB and everything, so yeah, the RGB. it looks like the colors are super, super off, it's like, it's like, ah, uh, it distracts me so much. Man. So, okay. let's get into this email here from one of our one of our listeners <laughs> yes this one comes in from abject and he writes dear foxy spice i'm writing to ask for insight to the vast knowledge that is the transmogrified two halves of whole i'm dual bo- dual hosts of wtf and vanadil my boggle not bogle is <laughs> numerous and oh i'm sorry but will be condensed to a few simple requests for insight don't worry, there's three simple requests here. This is like, uh, it's it's quite a thing. So one, for Blue Mage, what spells, if any, will enhancing magic effect plus duration gear have an effect on, and what spells would, be, would better benefit from Blue Magic plus skill gear? While I don't expect or want a com- comprehensive list and breakdown, a general list of the most useful spells would be helpful, as I, like most people, have looked up no information or put any real effort into finding any of the information myself, and am now all out of ideas. This reaches directly into the pulse or beating heart of um, most people who play this game. I'm just The first one is a curious premise. Why would you assume enhancing magic duration gear affects blue magic at all? It's enhancing magic. So uh, there's your first answer. No, it doesn't do anything. There you go. Uh, if you want an exception, uh, so like Telchine Body has regen effect. That'll affect regeneration. And the, you know, uh, I don't know if the Aqua Veil affects uh, Verve. I, I, I just don't know because that's a, it's a bunch of effects on that. I'm not sure. But the refresh and duration and stuff on other pieces of gear, like the belt from the main invasion and uh, the Almeric head and stuff that does impact refresh as well, including battery charge, not just dispel refresh. So, and to clarify on the uh, Telchine part too, um, and when he, when he's talking about like the the bonus the Telchine body is going to give, um, it's not the actual enhancing duration of uh, of regeneration. Um, it's the uh, the actual regen potency. Yeah, and phalanx gear does not affect barrier tusk for anyone worrying because it's not wondering. It's not phalanx effect. It ta- it occupies the same slot, but it is not. Like one for all and rampart and stuff, they're similar, even though they occupy the same slot. But this is different. This is a special. Imagine if it did. It's a special damage taken, not to be confused with the SDT resistance values. Fox before the show didn't know. Right. Didn't know the thing. SDT is in this cockamamie world of multiple terms. No one checked to differentiate the two. Um, Phalanx is a straight damage reduction, and uh, Barrier Tusk is calculated like uh, Valiance. It's you know, it, it gets 15% before cap, and then at, once you pass the cap, it is multiplied, it's reduced. So it's not straight damage. Otherwise, What about these uh, What about these spells that would benefit from blue skills? I was going to say, yeah, otherwise magic barrier and occultation are it. Occultation is one shot out of every 50 skill. Skill, yeah, skill. So that's pretty much 600 skill is it. 
and most people be at 550. 550 is fine. Don't fret over the one shadow. You better off with, you know, depending on what you're running with, some conserve MP fast cast to get it back up sooner. Stuff like that. Max. I, I try to push for the max recast on it from getting wiped or something rather than the extra one shadow. So do that. Magic barrier is very niche, but it's a straight skill to magic reduction. You know that 550 thing? Like I was, it, it was actually driving me crazy as a as a newly mastered blue mage um, from Odyssey, uh, where I was trying to get that uh, that six or uh, not that six, but uh, the 600 skill uh, tier shadow on there. But I was like, man, every one of these sets is just absolute trash. If mm-hmm. I try to do this, yep. Uh, so I think I've recently pushed it to 600, but otherwise I was 550 for a very long time, and there's nothing wrong with that. Otherwise, 500 is a cap for everything else. Diamond hide caps at 500. And Diamond Hide is weaker than just casting Stone Skin on Subred Mage because it's effectively a no potency plus Stone Skin, and you can get potency plus Stone Skin on, you know, Blue Mage. Five hundred is going to be a recurring number in this episode too, especially when it comes to like older stuff like SE refusing to improve Blue Magic in any way, or some of the old equations for a lot of the uh, spells we'll talk about, stuff like that. So the number five hundred is generally something that you wanna you wanna pay attention to and. Kind of assume a lot of the time. Even the ones that go past that 500 cap were only done after the fact. They used to be capped at 500 too. So the exceptions are only yeah. the ones they uncapped. So what's number two out of the three in this email? Two semicolon. With the recent influx of gear and a better understanding of most high end contents, abilities, and stats, do you, mostly Fox, believe that Ninja could be a real contender for tanking once properly buffed, even with the influx of AOE moves, spells, and GA abilities? Do you think someone with a solid understanding of themselves, meaning the capabilities of the job, the options for proper gear sets and the proper time, and an understanding of the enemies being fought could tank with reasonable buffs from a standard party setup? Standard party, meaning healer, one or two support style jobs, and a DD. Abject is really walking you into this exact framework here. This is like this is a pretty specific here. I mean, and honestly, if, if you're a competent of any job, you can a contender for anything, but I'm sure you have more to say. Well, yeah, I mean, so Abject's asking this question, and it seems kind of strange because he's seen me tank things on Ninja, and uh, he's tanked things on Ninja, and I, I, I have a feeling he, he like knows the answer to this, in that uh, the, the AoE thing is this common misconception by the community for some reason, that if something is like going to wipe shadows, that uh, if you're dealing with AoEs, like Ninja is automatically a bad job. So first off, if I haven't said it before, which I believe I have, um, AOEs don't always wipe your shadows entirely. And if an AOE does wipe your shadows entirely, it often doesn't do so in a way that will actually kill the ninja or really affect the ninja in any real way. In fact, because of the universal delay and how it exists in this game, even for mobs, after they cast a Ga, you usually have more than enough time to put your shadows right back up. They, they'll, they'll sit there and patiently wait for you, basically. It's it's pretty crazy. You can even time it, too, where it's almost done. It should be on, but, you know. You can. It's just almost not even necessary most of the time. But, yeah, I mean, best case scenario, um, you'll time it so that right after the god goes off, your move goes off, and it's just a seamless transition. Um, the advent of Yonin, and then it changes once upon a time. Like, it's been this way for a long time. means that you're not really bleeding any enmity from losing all these shadows, whereas, you know... If you don't have that stance up, you do, and you lose a pretty hefty amount. I know we uh, need to do a ninja version too, but honestly, what is, what is the problem with ninjas in this game? I don't. Is it because they're 
focusing on trying to do subpar DD. Not that they're a subpar DD, but are they trying to do less DD than the Warriors and Dragoons and everyone, and therefore they fail to be a tank because of that? Or is it just there's not a good way for Ninja to do enough to tank like a Paladin or Rune? It's, it's, it's always the same thing that triggers me in that a ninja is going to need to do both damage and it's going to actually need to have knowledge of it, its enmity tools, which is primarily just Utsusemi and casting it as frequently as possible um, to tank. Uh, it's also what subjob you choose to use is going to heavily matter, um, which is also true for Runefencer and Paladin. Like, they don't get off the hook either. Like, your, your tank is going to approach things differently. And a huge thing that I see ninjas get wrong is that whole idea of best in slot that is always going to forever trigger me. Um, people think that you need to use like a specific katana given a specific situation or um, don't use nagling because we're ninjas or it, it's going to depend on what that content is. If you have DDs that are doing like man Mac truck damage to the, to the mob, you're going to need to do some amount of damage also along with the rest of your enemy generation. Um, it's true. If you're a rune fencer, it's true. If you're a paladin as well. Uh, whereas like a paladin can get away with like self curing and stuff like that to help supplement some of the damage you're not doing, or even just atonement spam. Um, Runefencer still wants to do weapon skills. Like you don't have to do like a ton or be like this extremely high end to do it, but you still need to be able to keep up in some way in addition to like the rest of your cast cycles and stuff. So Ninja operates in the same sort of manner, but it actually has better enmity tools overall um, in the form of those shadows because you don't bleed CE the same way that a lot of other jobs do. Um, a lot of times you're not actually going to take any real damage yourself. And with Yonin up, when you lose a shadow, you don't lose any CE from that either. It's all just a positive gain. So if you're just recasting those shadows over and over and over again, I, I did a write-up on it one time uh, where you actually generate more enmity over time with Utsusemi and keep yourself safer than a rune does with foil. It's actually like all, twice, if not a little more than twice, the enmity a rune generates. So unless the it's one of those wonky NMs where, say, like a spell gets cast through shadows, I feel like there's one or two or maybe it's something i don't know it's not like a common thing so if you're fighting let's say uh i don't know arabati or something and you you know the the blizzard six is going to get absorbed by your shadows ideally but otherwise the tp moves or, or anything else like that is that going to be a big problem for ninja versus what it would be for a paladin or something because ninja gets yes okay. so the the main the main issue with ninja is if yonin gets dispelled well let's assume so, it didn't get dispelled well, you, you, you can't, though, and that, that's that's part of the problem, is uh, you, you can't assume that the worst case is not going to happen. Like, if, you, if you're if you taking Arabati into account, he has a mass dispel move that will take everything off of you. Okay, well... Um, you're you're going to have to have that Corsair run in and reset you, because you cannot hold hate without Yonin. You well, you need those Utsusemi tools. Maybe Arabati was a bad example. It's the first thing I thought of, <laughs> but I was just thinking of something that... I mean, yes, that would be an NM because of the spell that you don't want to do that with, but other NMs that are more dangerous like that or something the tp moves that are going through your shadows and doing damage is ninja in a situation where that's dangerous enough to threaten the job is that going to hurt your enmity overall versus no i mean it's just so i mean literally is the problem just that ninjas are not just casting shadows nonstop. uh they're just not approaching it properly uh i, I or, or maybe it's that they're not even trying to begin with um, that could be it too, because I, 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 I never really understand this question when it gets asked, because I've tanked a lot of things on Ninja, and people treat it like it's a difficult thing to do. And I'm not trying to talk up my own ability, because I've seen other ninjas do it as well. But I, I well, how should I they approach it? Then? 
uh, you should approach it with the mindset that you are a tank and not a DD. No, literally, but, what should they do? Should they stand there and just chaos issue semi nonstop, or should they? What should they do? They have to research the fight. Um, so, as a standard I approach, can, I can. Okay, so as a standard approach, you want to make sure you have the right sub job on. So you want to be be able to spike enemy as fast as you can. So ninja plays a lot like a paladin will in that you want to stay ahead of the other DDs in uh, in Enmity because you don't bleed it as much. So it, it operates off of the same kind of idea that a Paladin does, uh, where, yes, Paladin can spike hate, and they can spike hate pretty well, um, but over the course of the fight, the Root Fencer, if buffed properly, is probably going to be able to put out a bit more with the uh, amount of DD that they have. It Again, the theory boils down to how that fight's progressing, what DDs you have. But uh, Ninja, you just want to make sure you don't bleed Enmity, you want to make sure that you have spike tools. Um, and my spike tools that I like to use are actually Subrune Fencer. I was thinking uh, that right now because you get the abilities and flash and just can use abilities regularly. Yes. And if you're actually buffed for evasion, um, you can actually sub Blue Mage as long as you have refresh also. And you can use the AoE Blue Mage tools too. Um, because once you've registered everything, Utsu Semi is an incredible hate generator on every target in front of you because it's self-target. Okay, so essentially all they have to do is just approach it in a way that's not sub-warrior, use provoke, and do nothing else besides try to DD, and that's the problem most of them do? Yeah, provoke is a terrible hate tool, and most jobs shouldn't use it to begin with. So the problem is ninjas playing like it's 75. Yeah, pretty much. Um, Sub-Dark Knight is, is another great option. Uh, stun generates the same as Flash, and you hit uh, to establish AOE hate with... Um, Last Resort. With and, Poison Gun. And, yeah, Poison Gun, but then there's also, you could just cancel Soul Leader, right? Yeah, you can cancel Soul Leader. Uh, you can Last Resort, which actually doubles down as an effective tool if you want to use Jinpu or Ageha, uh, Ageha spam. Um, you know, again, using the right weapon matters, and like you can you can double down as like a debuffer as well as a tank. Uh, you know, it, it there's there's a lot of extra roles that you can fill at the same time if you can tank things as ninja. It's actually really it's it's nice. It to sounds have like it, it sounds like it's flexible, but people don't play it flexibly to put on Ageha and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I honestly, I don't think I have enough information about what people are doing wrong to answer this question properly, because I, I just don't understand the question to begin with. I've never had issues. Number three, I'll read this one. Yeah. This, this one is for both Foxy Splice. What is the best? We might just skip this one because I don't got time for it. We'll, we'll do it next episode <laughs> because we just talked about this for a while. What is the best combination of spices and seasoning? Maybe we can make it quick. To add to steam vegetable that's singular, singular. It's a steam vegetable. To add to steam vegetable to give them a refreshing taste for both steam fresh from fresh vegetable and also the ones that can be steamed in the bag using a microwave. So it is one singular vegetable uh, reaffirmed that way, steam fresh from fresh vegetable. So I think uh, the thing that I brought up, the whole sous thing, <laughs> uh, where you just, you know, that's why a use a terrible microwave? idea. I would never do that. Well, we're already steaming something in a microwave to begin with. You know, there's already you can't a put a grocery store bag of of vegetables in a boiling pot of water. That plastic will melt. You can't throw that in there like that. And even then, why would you? Why would you want that dirty ass plastic getting the carcinogens in use, your food? Use a different plastic bag. Well, I'm not. Who's gonna go buy sous vide bags? What is this? Sous vide, a bag of mixed ninety nine cent vegetables. <laughs> Get your lima beans nice and good. I guess. I, I mean, I, pr I would prefer that over using a microwave. I, I actually don't like microwaves. Um, I, I don't like them at all. Microwaves can be good. You just gotta know how to use them. I think the problem is a lot but, of people don't do their research. I, I agree. Um, 
So for spices, I would say if I'm going to add any kind of spice to a vegetable, salt, salt, yeah. Um, Lari seasoning is pretty good. What seasoning? It's like a generic seasoning. Maybe it's only from like around where I am up here in Washington State. Um, there, there's like this this seasoning. It's called Lari's. Just get Mrs. Uh, Dash. It's basically Mrs. Dash, but it's it's zestier, I guess. I, I don't know. Like I I, I can't think Mer of anything that Mrs. Would be, Dash. I think I can't think of anything that would be super great to do this with. I, I don't steam vegetables often. Like I, I, I never steam vegetables and I eat primarily vegetables. Well, there you go. I mean, there's no reason I wouldn't saute them or roast them or something of that matter. I would steaming. What, what is this? Are you Susan Sarandon? Are you going to kick here for health? I mean, what is this? <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, I think maybe he just wants to up his vegetable game. I mean, you could look at Asian dishes, uh, especially because sponsored by the other tea today is tofu. Tofu is a great way to, if you're trying to learn how to improve your cooking skills, to use a blank canvas of which to do it and to work on all your various skills, such as sauces and, and all other shit. So, uh, I mean... Fried tofu is actually really good. I, I really like fried tofu. I mean, tofu is a sponge. If you make a good sauce, then you're, you're going to cook a good dish. So, yeah. I think Abject's a kind of like peanut butter sauce guy, you know? So, I think he would, I think he'd go for that if he makes a good Asian peanut butter sauce with some soy sauce and peanut butter and sriracha and shit. About all you need, yeah. Depends. Like you could use some Marin in there too. Otherwise, I think you just got to Google dishes, man. Going back to number one here, I like most people have looked up no information or put any real effort into finding the information myself, and am now all out of ideas. (laughs) There you go. Hey, me too. You know. So okay, so let's get into this support mechanics thing. This beer is weird, but I like it. Okay, so the first thing I want to address with support mechanics is that is the thing that's going to cause people to just kind of shut off completely when they approach this topic to begin with. And that they don't care about support jobs. Like they don't want to play them. A lot of people do think they're, they're not exciting to play. And this isn't an argument saying that, Hey, you know, support jobs are exciting to play. Why don't you get on board? It's that you, everyone has to understand the mechanics behind why you would play a support job and support jobs. Aren't the only jobs that can support a party. I mean, I so, would consider blue major support job and it can support a party. Exactly. Exactly. So like when you're looking at the actual support mechanics themselves, um, it's not about playing bard and making sure your songs are right, even though you still want to do that. Um, you want to look at the overall fight itself and you want to establish like what, what, what gaps are in your strategy or what do you need to break in order to make the fight work? And what jobs can you bring that can bring these mechanics or bring this, this adjustment to the mechanics to the table? Um, a lot of times people will assume it's like making sure you have the right elemental resistances, which is a big hot topic today, uh, given the Odyssey content. And then um, a lot of times it's, it's people making sure that they have all those attack buffs that they can possibly get and stuff like that. Um, but there's there's other jobs that can do some other things that are behind the scenes that we've, we've talked about on other episodes. Like you have this D stats, right? Um, you know, there, there are jobs out there that aren't Geo or Bard that can raise your stats or lower lower the mob stats or anything like that. Like, a lot of times, Dark Knight is actually really looked over. Um, absorb aside vid? from its damage ability, yeah, absorb vid, absorb in. How much is that? Uh, I've had I've heard reports from people who have like liberators and stuff that uh, they can absorb like sixty of a stat or something crazy. It's actually really big. It's huge. Like that's more than you get off a base Empyrean weapon. Does that stack with something like choke too to lower more? Um, yes, bit? that could be very very nice too. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. I mean, you'd cap um, D strength and it wouldn't matter at a certain point, but that could be the difference between cap and not. 
Absolutely. And more importantly, for any mage strats, uh, it's really important too. Because uh, de-int is um, a major, major part of the base damage of a lot of your spells and um, a lot of your magic weapon skills too. Yeah, because in that case, uh, for int, it's also magic evasion, magic damage taken. Whereas for doing physical damage, you know, evasion is calculated as the agility there. So it's not all lumped into just the vit. So for magic, it's much more important to lower that one versus like DDs. Or how about if the, the Dark Knight helps your um, mages lower the magic evasion of the mob in front of you? Because if you absorb mind, you're going to get a better D-mind stat on the first version of Frazzle and the second version of Frazzle and the third version of Frazzle. Because you're going to want to overwrite those in steps. And like I'm going to talk about these more when we get to like the enfeebling-centered part of this. But I just want people to kind of understand that when we talk about supports, especially in this episode, it's we're going to talk about a lot of the support-related jobs and like the, the support-related skills, like enhancing magic, enfeebling magic, healing magic, that sort of thing. But being a support is not limited to a support role in the party. So also what comes to mind here is, well, I, I forgot it because I'm thinking something else now. I'm like my puppet master in this month's ambuscade if we got to provide support context. Ooh. Well, uh, well, here's the first thing I think is what I was thinking too, is a lot of jobs besides not just Dark Knight, you get a samurai, for example. Uh, they just don't put on Agaha. They just go to town spamming Fudo like a jackass, and well, maybe not even jackass. Maybe they're multi-stepping, like like a like a super jackass. But there's nothing wrong with multi-stepping. It's better. Um, it's just they don't put on Agaha. Whether it's a divergence NM or an ambuscade fight or something, they don't do that. And warrior gets the ability too, even though depending on what they're doing, if they're using a great axe, which they generally would be. I'm not a warrior, but it's generally generally the weapon. I mean, they, they also have the ability to do a full break or just a... Not, full break is, is... I hate when I see that because it's better to do armor break by a lot. I think it's twice yeah. as potent. I think it's 25% for armor break and like 12.5% for full break. But at least full break, which is not his weapon break, lowers attack too, which is also... I mean, in terms well, of fights, lowering attack too is so underrated. Well, there's um, there's other situations too where you, where you can actually abuse the AI mechanics themselves. And using things like full break and impact uh, can do things with do things to the AI of the the mob that you're fighting in such a way that you can kind of lock it down that way. Kate Sith and the Thinker in uh, Omen. Yeah, um, but basically you want to lock. Sometimes it, it's beneficial to lock the mob into a mode where it's like, oh, I have all these debuffs on. I want to keep trying to remove them. Um, and then spells are, that provide multiple effects like that, especially if you can, like, say, cap PDF in a different way, that sort of thing. You can think outside the box and you can use armor break or not armor break, but full break for not its intended purpose, but instead to apply four debuffs where that matters most. Um, I know that Bumba is probably another consideration where um, you can put all of those on. And it's not necessarily the best uh, defense down effect, but at least it's a defense down effect that's protected by other effects surrounding it. So, yeah, it can't erase them off itself as easily. I mean, it's not ideal, but if that's what you're well, working, I mean, if, if sometimes you're that's bad. It's like when I get dispelled too, I like to put on all these, you know, things I don't usually wear, like, I don't know, ice spikes or something I'll put on if I'm getting dispelled by, you know, various NMs that take off multiple effects in one. I think what the B is an example, it dispels various effects, not all of them. So you want to put on as many, you know, buffs as possible. Yeah. And I mean, again, going back to Dark Knight, you can even do it to yourself. Like, why the hell would you ever absorb charisma? Well, you do it so that the mob can dispel your absorbed charisma instead of your absorbed strength or your songs. Or you know, it's, 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 yeah, it's yet another buff. The cast is nearly instant. You lose some DPS, sure, 
but you're going to make up DPS later, you know, playing the, the numbers game and not getting dispelled. So this month, an example of support too, because I don't want to forget the story and I'm very happy playing Pup lately. Although I, I feel very, you know, fish out of water. I'm not nearly fluid or reacting or know how, like when I'm on Blue Mage, because I played it for my entire life, I just know, oh, I can use this spell. Oh, I can do this. I can change up. My gear is accommodated to these various things. When I'm on Pup, I'm like, oh, wait, what attachment would benefit for this? Or how do I, you know, so I'm, I'm kind of fumbling around probably for the next year until I feel like a real pup. A year. But uh, try to go to Ambuscade this month because I just want to play pup and get free CP and just I want to play pup for a change. And, you know, it does really poor DD compared to the super DDs and people look at you and they they look at you a little weird. But I'm able to justify (laughs) my existence in there because, yeah, the puppet's not doing more than 5% of the parse. But the puppet's applying a 15% defense down regularly. And yeah, I may be doing similar damage, or maybe even depending on how good the Corsair is, less than the Corsair. But I'm also applying box step level 5. And the fight when I go sub dancer instead of, I don't know, sub dragoon or something, um, the fight when I do that, I mean, you wouldn't want to go sub dragoon to the attack in this case. You go sub. I'm using King Konkin, so I go sub Dark Knight because I don't need fucking double attack from Warrior. But. Uh, the fight goes noticeably quicker and smoother just without even looking at the timer. It, the fight just feels incredibly better when I go sub dancer and do everything I was doing before with, you know, because you lose your haste. So haste samba is helpful there, too, when you, you know, when it does the little earth move with the meeble this month. So all those <laughs> things combined mean, sure, I'm not doing great damage, but the run is just as good as if you brought a super DD because I'm providing more. Yes, that's exactly it, too. Um, that, that's actually the the. The point that I want to make in this episode overall is that experience right there. Um, you're bringing to the table someone who is filling a damage role. It may not be the best role ever, but you're still providing more than a normal damage dealer would have because you're, you're filling like multiple roles at the same time in a single party slot. And if anyone's ever heard me talk about what I care about in party compositions is that um, being able to fill multiple roles within a party slot basically makes an alliance out of a six-man party. And that's what's important. And outside of the mob countering me for 1,200, one of the ads coming over or something, I will, <laughs> I will never die on that job because the other DD will have hate first. And if they died, I give it to the puppet and the tank better not be dead at that point or we're all fucked. Then again, the puppet should be fine. I could, I could swap over at that point and just run away and let the puppet have hate with my uh, pet gear. So it's very, it's very well, flexible in that regard. Well, if your tank dies in that fight, I think there's a problem. Well, yes, but you can, it's a job that I can actually really buy time on if I just swap my motor true, real true. quick to pet dt yeah like you take one slot you fill a bunch of roles with that slot including even backup tank or even you know time buyer like all of these things are not official roles technically do matter in some in some cases um people will often make the argument that well why don't i just fill it with a slot that's just going to like super crush everything in front of me and yes you can do that but it won't always work and it won't always someone might be deficient where you may have like misevaluated their their ability to perform in your party um you're, you're just safer applying these other strats and ultimately you're still providing more in your party per slot. If you, if you look at it from this, this perspective, SE in my opinion is getting away if they can, at least I think they're consciously trying to design away from face roll mechanics. These odyssey tier threes and tier four is a clear signal to me that SE is getting away from super buffed power creeping over time. Gear gets super strong. DD is running in and destroying something. And not being able to care, just, you know, a thing about previous NMs in the past, like uh, the Nat 
what's that tier three uh nat king nat thing in sky you know you didn't have to care. oh yeah yeah you, you didn't have to care about his mechanics if you just killed him you didn't have to worry about his evasion because you got enough accuracy with leather gear you didn't have to worry about the ore you just you just killed him so i think essie's getting away from that not that it couldn't happen in the future if you're super strong but i think they're getting away from that in terms of like the arm of bows uh, not face rolling that is the correct way to handle that mob because oh, yeah. you don't need to randomly die because you're trying to face roll it. And just, you, you get, you know, you you have one, you have to wait a day to get your points again to go back in. So you might as well, if you have 15 minutes to fight it, you might as well make sure you win rather than, you know, potentially lose and have to wait a day. And no one likes that. And our party setup for Embos was uh, Blue Mage, Beastmaster, Summoner, Corsair, Bard, White Mage. It's like a grab bag of random ass jobs where like half of them don't belong in most Odyssey parties. I want to see V10 at least before I think that was anything unique because V5 still is not super hard over V0. But I guess, I mean, compared to the V0s I've seen where people get destroyed, I mean, it was still, still felt pretty good in V5. Yeah. I mean, we only had one scary incident though, and that was with the whole timber thing. Um, but I think that was just due to a, a pet being down and that was uh, when that had occurred. And I don't think that gets too much stronger on the higher difficulties. It's just like, it's percentage. It's percentage based, so it's you know as long yeah, as yeah. yeah, but we'll see, we'll see. Um, but it's just again it's something to think about. Like uh, this is a situation where we have high end content, and usually people would bring a tank to that, and um, you would usually like super buff a single DD and you know call it a day. Uh, in this case, we brought two hardy DDs, and honestly, we didn't even need my ability to absorb damage on Beastmaster. Um, Spicy made it mostly tank the thing. Uh, because once you reach a certain point in gear, you just don't need a tank on some fights. And we identified that Embos doesn't hit that hard, so you don't need a tank. And, you know, uh, the combination of all those jobs being able to perform, like, this perfect storm of buffs and debuffs with each other, uh, it, it basically just took care of itself. It's, I'm not going to say it was the most effective strategy. It certainly wasn't, but it was a feasible strategy that I felt happy that worked for our group, which is generally the... The kicker for a lot of people is, you know, what works for your group? Who has what job? Because you have someone like me in your group that only has <laughs> Pup, Blue, Rune, Thief, Dragoon. And that's five jobs that don't do much. So you're kind uh, of... a tank and a puppet master. <laughs> yeah, you got a tank, you got a pup, and then you got other stuff. And that's that's kind of what a lot of people look at. But instead of just trying to like work with what you've got and identifying the, the mechanics that you are interacting with, a lot of times people just try to build the cookie cutter roles that they've seen work in videos because they see that strat work for them. And they aren't really taking into account like what the fight's all about and what they need to apply to the fight to make it work. So I guess, so, yeah, I was going to uh, say, so where are we at? So what am I shooting for? Or are we just at well, Red Mage here? Well, I mean, we could be at Red Mage, but... I, I wanted to talk a little bit about idle sets, though. Like, I will backpedal into that. Um, in that, if you're in a support type of role, um, a lot of times people think that you need to use, like, a bunch of MP and stuff like that. And if you're, like, a pure support, like a white mage, I see a lot of people going out of their way for, like, all this refresh gear that you honestly don't need as long as you have the right builds otherwise. Like, if you have a focus on conserve MP and you're you're not using subred mage because you're not a bad player, um, you know stuff like that. Uh, you 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 just don't need it. <laughs> not using some red mage because you're not a bad player. Yeah, uh, some red mage is, is is real bad on white mage. It just just don't do it. Sub scholar, get used to sub scholar. Convert is a crutch that you'll never use eventually. Um, Conserving from sub scholar is the big thing too. Oh, and light arts in general. Yeah, 
Uh, and then even Scholar Mains, I see a lot of Scholar Mains subred mage, and a lot of times when I have a Scholar Mage main subred mage, it's because I need their phalanx um, for my party. Uh, it's not necessarily because I need them to refresh people, but they can do that. Um, I actually prefer to have uh, Scholar Mains sub Black Mage or sub Dark Knight, so that way we can get better enfeebling effects that you wouldn't normally get out of your group. Um, there's a lot That's of times... you don't usually see as a Scholar sub Dark. Yeah, yeah, but the Absorb spells are actually really strong, and... Uh, if a if a if a scholar switches to dark arch or even uses enlightenment, um, you can drop a really massive uh, debuff on the enemy uh, in conjunction with your own really accurate impact, uh, and you can you can really lower some base stats and it can make a difference in the fight. Let's see. Um, so I'm on the BG page here because I was curious, and it says these spells as an absorb spells are somewhat unique, and they depend on the main job level of a player regardless of the job even when darkness uses the sub job so the, the potency is the same effectively outside of gear yep so it's going to be lower and it's not enhanced by dark magic skill so unlike other jobs where it's based on their skill that you don't have natively or other stuff or weakened as a sub it's actually just as potent as a dark knight but dark knight gets gear and another but you still have to have the accuracy to land it though yeah oh yeah that's, that's dark that's magic is the yeah yeah, so it, I mean, it's it's one of those situations where like everything adds up, and um, sometimes it could be the difference between capping F strength if you're taking Vit, or capping D int, or even pushing yourself into another D int tier um, when that's available. If you can land that spell on like another source, you know, it can stack with your Black Mage's Burn. It can stack with your, uh, uh, it can stack with your uh, your impact as well, and like all of those things add up into into something better. Uh, I know one of the big strategies for something like Ongo is to stack as much of those in down effects as possible and being able to burst with your black mage because uh, you know you got to get those damage window you got to get the damage in during the red window. That would be the perfect thing to take with a black mage to Ongo if people aren't already using an absorb spell. Yeah, for sure. I wonder how I'm thinking of something that's powerful and it's like a truck. So I wonder how um, Halfus. That's what I had to think for a second. I wonder how Halfus would be. People already put bio and stuff on him to make him not ridiculous because he gets that attack boost and everything. But I wonder how he would be with Drown and uh, Absorb Strength on top of that. Because I don't think people usually stack that after the bio and everything. They just kind of use like Wilt and or Barrier and stuff like that to try and not get destroyed by him. That is interesting. I think your your Paladins are going to be the main job that are going to notice that the most. Because a lot of jobs hover around like maybe 200 bit. And a lot of times those those level 139-ish NMs, like they'll probably sit around not quite AV strats, or not AV, but uh, Word of Courage uh, stats, but they'll still be pretty high. So, I mean, you're probably going to look at like mid-300s. And, you know, now that we're talking about Drown effects, and, or not Drown, well, specifically Drown there, but um, there is one thing Blue Mage has that I've never been able to use because there's never been a reason to until this conversation. But if I recall correctly... The elemental debuffs are something weak. They're like 17, 20, something like that. And when you put all the Black Mage gear on, it goes up to like 60. Blue Mage yes. actually gets a minus 65 Drown from uh, Foul Waters. So it's minus 65 Strength on the Drown uh, from Blue. It's, it's, it's the only ridiculous kind of thing like that it has in that regard. So that actually comes to mind as yeah. a neat, nifty I, thing. I would actually be really interested in seeing how that affects things. Because I, I've played with a lot of situations where we're lowering the PDF for the enemy. But I've never played with a lot of things where we're lowering the F strength for the enemy because honestly, we just don't know what the F strength tiers actually do to opponents. It's been more of a thing too with you see it in Odyssey when these these mobs like saplings or something or even the weapons do a world of rage or a spout spin or something, and it usually oh, yeah. doesn't do anything. But these are actually killing your backline because their attack is so high. So I think a lot of new NMs too are going to have that where it's actually beneficial. 
yeah, that's actually been my biggest concern with, uh, and I mentioned on a lot of these podcasts too, and that, you know, they're giving us a, a power creep in defense that's appearing on gear. And that's part of why I was trying to make that argument for trying to get rid of old things like the Empyrean legs for Rune in favor of like Naomi legs because you, you gain so much of these bonuses. Like we have to keep creeping like they're creeping or else one day we're just going to find ourselves behind taking shit tons of damage and not understanding why. Corsairs are going to be even less attractive than they already are. And I really wish people would follow this a love affair they have with Core because it gets absolutely destroyed constantly now. And you're seeing it even more now than you did in the past. And people... I see people doing uh, Inhryar on fucking core. I'm waiting in there trying to get in there because I'm making Vajra. And I'm at the point now where I just do an Odin because why not? And just Corsair is going in there solo and taking all this time. And it's like, why are you guys on core for everything? You see them everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I, you, you see a lot of cores. And I mean, people like their roles, I guess. They must think the roles are broken. I guess we'll, we'll cover that later. Well, it's funny, like, I usually have, like, the best player in my group on Corsair, even though it feels like a monumental waste, because the dude knows how to play Corsair properly. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's it, a lot of people think that they're just going to roll with Corsairs, and then go AFK or something, or, like, maybe just sit there and spam Savage Blade, but not really put any thought into the job, or the rest of what their job does, like, proper timing on random deals and wild cards, or even how to use their elemental shots properly. Corsair. Like, this is a situation where a DD can provide so much more to a fight than, you know, just buffing like attack and doing savage blade core's elemental shots actually enhance the stat down effect moves too like uh, the black mage one i don't think they'd attack the dark spell obviously because it's not elemental based but they do increase the potency of that i don't know if they would for the foul waters that'd be interesting it's different but uh yeah a lot of core is the number one job i see not use a dt set when i check someone who's dead because when they die i tend to check them number one job i see not wearing a dt set is a core dying in adamar gear all the time yeah i can understand that they're the definition um, of glass cannon. It's funny. I actually have that set on my Corsair, but I almost never opt to use it. I'm almost always in in a lot of malignants. I wouldn't say full malignants, but I, I wear it pretty heavily because you get to offhand things like the blurred knife and, you know, you get triple shot also, which is like extra TP gain you can throw in there, as well as like just setting your shots to uh, store TP. Um, you can actually just get bursts of store TP off of it. Like, I, I don't know. I, I don't really see the benefit in wearing something that's going to cause you to explode. And then therefore lose all your DPS anyway. Adamar Head is a number one piece I'm starting to slowly shift away from. It has no accuracy. It, it's a nice DPS piece, but it's better off for, you know, macroing for what CDC or something. Otherwise, I'd rather keep the body and hands. They're more important. Yeah, Adamar Head uh, plus one, I think, is really just a monk thing. No, it, it, it's, it's the best uh, DPS piece for a lot of jobs like Blue or Thief. But honestly, I that'd be the piece. You're not getting as much out of it, though. Yeah, the crit damage is the reason why, because when you buff up so max high, the, the crit damage, you know, improves. Yeah, you have, you have to weigh the trade-offs, because, yeah, while it's going to be a strictly better DPS piece than a lot of things, that trade-off is exactly what we're talking about, where all of a sudden someone's just going to find themselves dead, yep. because they could have had something way better in that head slot that kept them alive, and therefore still doing damage. And the enfeebles anymore, the magic effects. So, yeah. idol sets. I see austerity pants are like the number one white mage idol pants, I don't know why. I don't know why either, because they get access to plus two in Yanga. Yep. Which still holds holds well today, even with Bunzi around. Uh, and plus, like in Yanga, I think is just going to withstand the test of time unless they get straight plus one fifty magic evasion stuff. But even then, that's only like plus three magic evasion over what they get. Like it's it's such a good set. You know, I was thinking this episode would be shorter than the last one because by the end of the three hours, we were all like dead tired. I was just done. 
but there's so much. I thought this would be the one we talked the least about too, but there's so much actually once you start talking about it that you could go into with the support, and it goes into every job in the game versus tanking's a few jobs, and you know, DDing is not every job, but this is like yeah, every it, job it support was, function. It was one of the things that I brought up at the very start where um, all these would tie together, and just because you're in a certain role doesn't mean that that the rest of the mechanics that surround the other roles also involve you too. So like a lot of the stuff we're talking about now could have showed up on the DD episode and it could have shown up on the uh, the tank episode, but supports have to deal with it as well. Like supports will have to receive incoming damage. Supports will have to uh, understand a fight and adjust accordingly, just like a DD would in, in trying to maximize DPS. You may not be doing the DPS, but you have the same responsibility that the DD does to make sure that your, their gear is pro- appropriate and that your gear is appropriate. So, Are we done with that part of the idol set? Because I want to ask yeah. what this weird stuff below this here. Well, I didn't want to go too deep on that. Just guys, back off on the refresh sets. You you don't really need them. Just make sure that you're not getting blown up. That's probably more important. Um, and then when not mages are doing mage things, so this is like your more niche stuff, um, you can have a lot of situations where like, um, one thing that I see commonly that, that I do with uh, the, the guy Beastmaster, he's uh, probably one of the best Beastmasters in the game right up there with Falkirk. Better live up there with uh, his name. Right. Uh, he goes beast of white mage to a lot of things. And a lot of times he's almost as effective as an actual white mage when he's doing it. Does he just have like um, uh, dark matter refresh gear on or what's he doing to keep yes, the up? He, he uses dark matter refresh gear. He uses a lot of meds like there, there's a certain level of preparedness that you need in order to pull something like this off. It's also about using the right pets and being able to swap pets frequently. Um, Pondering Peter is definitely a real man, but sometimes you also need the slug. <laughs> Like there, there's just a lot of things that you can do, and, and he doesn't. He doesn't even do the draponum uh, shenanigans that I do on Beast of White Mage. Like when I'm on Beast of White Mage, uh, I usually use Entropy to restore MP. Um, he just uses dual axes because he doesn't give a shit, and he just uses meds and stuff and uh, his refresh gear. And um, you'd be surprised what a lot of jobs can can actually do from a support standpoint, even when they're really not designed to do it that way. Um, I posted videos to our Discord about um, ridiculous master trials from that Zala guy, X-O-L-L-A. Um, if you guys don't know who that is, look I them up. Their, their strats are amazing in those videos. Uh, it's a Japanese player. You won't be able to read anything that's going on their screen, but they have like a 16-minute black and white clear for the master trial because the rune fencer is sub-black mage and they open up sleeping the Valkyries. And did they also evasion tank it? Sure did. As two as two dark knights just go to town murdering the Valkyries one at a time. It is a sight to behold. It is the definition of I mean, you probably could have done it before, but now with gear having evasion on it for DDs that didn't exist. Sakpata has evasion, doesn't it? Uh yeah, it actually has a, a fairly good amount of evasion. You didn't have that um, before on gear, so this is clear power creep where now you can actually with the mambos and stuff I, get the evasion to then make that fight a joke where it, it I honestly think they're using Naomi actually. Uh, because that has really high evasion on it too. Yeah. But either of those two items would, would allow that to be feasible and make that fight a joke instead of something that just destroys people. Like There's a lot of times people like set up the seal. I, like I posted the Sealed Fate video on there too. Um, they have, they're like, oh, you got to make sure your tank knows what to do and that they're constantly doing all this, this stuff. Uh, no, they don't even bother bringing a tank to Sealed Fate. They have a Corsair tank kit. <laughs> That's the kind of ridiculous shit that you can do when you understand how the game mechanics work. Uh, so yeah, I wanted to shout that guy out in particular, especially in regards to this episode. Because if you watch what they do, you can see what a what an understanding and and like the what's in it for you for listening to what we're talking about in these episodes. Because you can do stuff like that too. Like that's not an unattainable thing. He's not pushing the JP button, even though we like to think that. He just understands, or they, or whoever they are, understands um, 
mechanics. Exactly mechanics, exactly what they need to do, and they do it. Isn't also, I know we we're talking about mages in this regard, but wasn't saying don't use peer refresh and use DT and stuff like that. Isn't it a weird pivot to then go to on John the subbing mage and doing stuff, use peer refresh gear and you have a bad idol to get killed in? Yeah, and I mean, it is a bad idol. Um, you will get killed in it, um, but that, again, is going to boil down to knowing when to use it. Because I'm not saying that you should bring Beast of White Mage to everything. Um, but there are situations like, I don't know, low man dynamis runs where Beast of White Mage is really useful just as a debuffer and healer. And also, I guess you could still wear other pieces of gear that are defensive and not refresh based besides those few pieces. Yeah, you can also hybridize it out. Um, you can swap between the two uh, very quickly, depending on your reflexes. Um, you can idle in the backfield when you're not needed, um, well out of range. You know, it's, it's just a matter of being situationally aware. Because I generally never check the DDs. I just, I, I will see in the parse if someone is terrible, then I will check them. And not that they're terrible because they parcel or whatever. I just, I want to see what's going on there. Otherwise, I always check my white mage and ask, I mean, I don't ask to see their idol, but when I'm checking, I'm trying to see their idol. And if I see like this disjointed, I've been seeing a lot of white mages lately in the pickup groups, literally in 109 white mage yeah oh yeah with i i and they also you know i i'm like oh this is gonna be bad and then it goes very very bad because i don't know what's going on with, with certain people's white mages the main thing that concerns me is like when someone checks me and i'm in just like doing any random thing and they only check me one time and then they're like oh man you're 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 on blah job and it's so good like the, like in, insinuating that, that my job, my gear sets are good, but they've seen like one set. It might be like my idol set. Is that you have to understand that a lot more sets than that go into it. So whenever someone like looks at an idol set and only an idol set and assumes that that's what makes the job good, it raises a huge red flag for me as to what that player considers good. Um, so I just kind of continue to put them on the watch list usually. I'm hoping now that I'm doing more rune stuff with in general with Odyssey. I'm hoping now to eventually get since I just changed my merits over to five out of five inspiration instead of one out of five, I'm hoping to get proper sets updated and actually push out my newer gear swap for pup too. Just as an yeah. aside for the future. Yeah. And as far as like tanks being supports too, I guess that's something I really didn't put on here is that, you know, you can change your merits around to fit your needs and your party's needs and, you know, being able to provide inspiration to the party. Well, historically that's been a downside because, you know, it can get dispelled off of you and you only care about you. And why are you putting it on yourself? Um, that's not really what's important. Like universally lowering the recasts of everyone around you, despite the rest of the fast cast effect, like make sure they have the lowest fast cast timers and stuff. Um, being able to universally lower the delay like that is also really huge for a lot of the jobs around. I will actually let some of it go to waste sometimes. And when we're starting a fight or an ambuscade or something, I will let it go a little bit to waste before the fight starts just to hit the mage, because otherwise I have trouble hitting the mage with uh, Valiant or yeah, Valiance. That's fair. So, enhancing. Enhancing. So, enhancing skill in particular, I, I kind of wanted to talk about, just cover the, uh, the mechanics of enhancing skill, what we're going to look at, and a lot of common questions that make me bleed from my ears. Um, the first thing is that when you're looking at enhancing skill, you can generally assume that 500 is the cap on a lot of lower level stuff. Now, that's not going to be the case on everything. And with that said, you should look up all of your spells and it's a good idea when you're filling out your Lua that every single at every single point in your Lua, um, you're, you're taking a look at like what spell it's referencing. Look that spell up, see what that spell cares about, and then just make sure your Lua is built for it. And that means that you only have to do that math the one time. I've heard so many people get lazy about 
oh, well, I don't want to constantly look this up. I'm just going to see if, you know, this is good enough or, or something like that. You only really have to do it the once or like when you upgrade a piece of gear, which doesn't happen super often. Just get that out of the way, get that done. And then that way you aren't bad later. But I see a lot of people either look at this 500 number and say, hey, you know, I'm already capped out at 500. I don't really care. This is good enough. Or, oh, I didn't know that when you actually are working with something that, that breaks the cap or something that they assumed broke the cap but didn't. And when I say breaks the cap, I'm, I'm breaking, I mean, breaking the understood cap that people think 500 is the cap for everything when that's not the case. So 500 is a very important number in enhancing magic. But there are certain spells like your end spells, for example, um, end spell one uh, can break the 500. You're going to do more damage, the more skill you have at time of cast End spell two, um, while not used as often, um, will calculate upon hit. So you want uh, en enhancing magic plus in your actual melee set while you're using that. So that's why it's a little less used, um, but it goes further than that. Um, and then you end up with stuff like uh, Phalanx, for example, and Temper also exceeds that. You just, you know, go as high as you can on it within reason. Now, isn't it uh, every 50 again, like Temper's like Occultation? Yeah, it, there's a there's a formula for it um, where it's not quite 50, I don't think. I'd have to look it up. Um, but just for the sake of conversation, me not stopping to look everything up. Oh, it's every 10. Maybe it is every 10. It's a, yeah, it's uh, Enhancing Magic minus 300 divided by 10. So it's every 10 yeah, skill. That sounds right. And then temper two is similar. Um, but yeah, th those you'll, you'll exceed uh, enhancing on that. But then you also want to think, well, how often do I want to recast this? At what point do I want enhancing duration on there? So you kind of have to have like a nice balance. Like, will you sacrifice 1% multi-attack rate for your spell to be like 35 seconds longer on you? I mean, sometimes sure. that's a trade you want to make. It yeah. should be more DPS to not have to keep it casting. Exactly. So this this kind of boils down into like the whole critical thinking thing that, that we want to promote throughout. Like a lot of times people will copy and paste a build because someone said, oh, this build is what I use and it's the best. It's the best in slot. And it, it's really not. <laughs> it, it, it depends on on what you need to get out of your build for that particular situation, how long you need your buffs to be, um, you know, so forth and so on. Like if um, if you're if you're doing like the major buffs for your party, for example, like I've seen a lot of white mages um, go all in on enhancing duration and they want to get their uh, bar spells up around like 14 minutes and good for you. You have really long bar spells. But what does that accomplish? Um, let's look at everyone who's surrounding you and see why that matters at all, because if you're working with Corsairs. Uh, your longest duration Corsairs are roughly nine-ish, a little over nine minutes for their rolls, probably around 10. I never really paid real close attention to that, but it's it's between nine and 10. Um, your Bards, their longest duration song is going to be about 11 minutes. And that's usually what they Mercado, or maybe it's um, you know due to another JA or something. Uh, but it, it's around 11 minutes. Um, most of the rest of their stuff is around 10. So if everyone's going to have to apply buffs again, why don't you just have a better bar spell use some extra null chance in your set? Even if it's like between one and 3% chance of null, it can still matter. And it's still better than that extra, like three, three ish minutes duration on your bar spell that you just didn't need because you have to reapply buffs when they do. I'd be happy to have to not worry about taking magic damage 3% of the time and having it on for sufficiently as long as it needs to honestly be on than not. But that's just a different approach to play style, I guess. 
Yeah. And, and I mean, it, you're not wrong for wanting to have a 14 minute duration bar spell either, but you, you really want to think and say, Hey, you know, I want to get the most out of things that we have to do anyway. Like we have to like as supports, we're all going to have to make sure that we're gathered up doing this when they're re-singing. So since I'm also doing that, why don't I make sure that that's handled then as well? Like there's, you, you really got to kind of get into the flow of how your party operates. Um, a lot of your summoner buffs also for those keeping score um, are around nine-ish minutes too. Well, I, I, a lot of times when there's a summoner that comes in the group, they do not have that long of a duration. I, Sorry, if you're not a bad summoner. <laughs> I, I see it a lot of times where you just get a summoner. Let's say it's an ambuscade month or something where summoners use a lot of those will have like four or five. I've even seen like three minute Haskas and I just go, Ooh. Yeah. Um, and that's actually the real reason that, um, that red mages want to hit that 10 minute mark also is because while everyone's rebuffing, they want to make sure they're rebuffing people at the same time too. I know your personal buffs will usually last about a half hour if you're like geared out. Um, but your buffs you put on other people, you want to make sure you have all the right sets for this. Um, Red Mage is a job in particular that I'm going to kind of hammer on in this episode because people do it wrong all the fucking time. Uh, but Red Mages actually need... Son of a sore. <sighs> yeah, because I see people do it wrong and I can never be on Red Mage and it's really painful. Can I make Eric's uh, proud for a second? What's that? So you know, what is the acronym for best in slot? BIS. So everyone goes around asking for the BIS set because they want it quick. So everyone's going around doing this quick. And when I ever make a waffle or pancake, I make the batter because it's super easy with actual flour and not Bisquick. So don't use Bisquick, folks. You can make really good pancakes and waffles with actual flour. Right, don't be bad. Don't use Bisquick. There is no good Bisquick. <laughs> <God. laughs> the There's some potential in that one, just Bisquick. But yeah, a lot of times people people will will rate a red mage based on how long their their enhancing duration is, but they don't understand exactly the the impact for it. And um, the uh, the red mages when they're when they're doing something like especially for phalanx, um, I see people who are on red mage have a set for phalanx, and it's a selfish set for phalanx because they have all that Taeon or augmented um, uh, Chironic or Merlinic gear augmented with phalanx plus on it. And they're providing it to your party. And yeah, sure. Um, you're giving them a, um, a at least a 500 skill phalanx, hopefully, because you're on Red Mage. But all that phalanx plus gear isn't doing anything. Um, you should have a set for when you're AoEing it or when you're casting it on someone else that actually uses a mix of your enhancing duration and lethargy set. So that way they're getting long duration phalanxes on top of whatever they're doing to enhance their own phalanx. So you really want to communicate throughout your party to make sure that the buffs are not only just going out, but they're going out well, like that you're geared properly and that you understand how your spells work. So you don't look like an ass and make your party look like an ass when they fail. In our Odyssey group, um, was it abject cast phalanx gun? Everyone he calls that, put the set on. Yeah. Yeah. We, we always have a habit of, of putting the phalanx sets on and we let the, the real mages uh, cast phalanx on us uh, all the time. There's no reason not to. Um, another thing I see is that, uh, people ruin emboldens. Um, oh. so again, this, this boils down to communication, like just don't like how get you started, right? It's not even You're... communication, not even communication. I have times where I spam the macro, which people say is obnoxious to do, but you're not casting protect on me. And I keep saying it. I got 55 seconds up, oh, 30 seconds up, oh, 20 seconds left. I still haven't gotten a buff and they go, what? And they go, I'm communicating with you. 
there's nothing like seeing a uh, an embolden get ruined by like something like a shell. How about this? I've had embolden get ruined by haste. <laughs> right, and, and there's there's a place there's a place for haste too. At least you know. I mean, in a weird situation, I guess you can you can cap haste that way, but it's I, not great. I've had auspice ruin embolden. Yes, auspice ruining embolden is another. I've had too. bar paralyze ruin embolden, which you know, if I needed it, that'd be a different story. That would actually be a good use for it. But I've had regen ruin embolden, especially. Yeah. Well, there, there's a time and a place for some of these too. Like I've actually advocated an emboldened regen. Um, it's actually very good as long from as a you're scholar, not from a white mage without a, the long exaction. As long as you're you're planning for it, because yeah, if you get it from that white mage, the white mage regen four is going to be like maybe three minutes and thirty ish seconds. It's not very long. So if you get that emboldened, it's going to be like a minute 40 or something and it'll just wear off. And then your 10 minute job ability that was supposed to make you OP is just gone. So I did having a white mage with proper enhancing duration gear is a big thing for that, because if you do not have the proper duration gear, when I ask for protect five on my emboldened on rune fencer all the time, then for an honesty run, which is 30 minutes, for example, I'm only getting 20 ish minutes of protect emboldened. But if you have proper gear, I will get, you know, 30 something minutes of of embolden protect and then the next time it's up in 10 minutes or gets random deal or whatever i can use embolden again or something like i mean white mage regen's not long enough to make it work but i can use it for anything else like another higher phalanx or something else going on or even the regen's even fine for two minutes but it's for something for a crusade anything yeah at that point even if you're getting like a seven minute phalanx or something from somebody because it's been emboldened um that's still excellent uh, then and then that's really what you want to look at. A lot of people will say, "Well, so what? It's twenty minutes. Get over it. You'll be ten minutes without well, a buff." I have to reuse it again. Already bad. Yeah, but but it basically means your next embolden is better if the first one was used properly, and the next embolden after that is even better than the previous one. You don't want to you be basically four minutes get, left trying to run and do something and have your protect come off. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You you want your buffs to be to to basically pay compounding dividends to each other. Like you you want them to constantly get better as you as you make as you add them, as you stack them all together. So critical thinking, like, and it, it boils down to communication too, because you, you can't think about something unless you communicate to everyone what, what everyone plans to do. And that's just a matter of preparedness that you need to have with your party. Even if it's a pug, talk to the people in your pickup group. If that one person is clearly going to be bad because they don't understand stuff and they think they're just going to smash and they have this like weird ego, just kick them and get a new DD. There's plenty of them on the server. Yeah. And I will tell you, and I'm I'm partly guilty of it too because when I join a pug, a lot of times I'm trying to do a bunch of other different things at the same time. Like uh, I don't know, think about different rune sets or update things or work on my Lua or or something of that nature or shit post on Reddit. Um, you know, all those things I'm trying to do at the same time. I'm sure other people are doing that. Carrot watches weird YouTube videos about cleaning up crime scenes or something while she's in a group. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't ask me. I whatever she's into. <laughs> she also watches, you know, like interviews like, nice like like always ask for a lawyer i go of course i'd ask for a lawyer if i'm being interviewed by the police she's like well, i would watch this thing and i'm like okay good for you honey um but i often if i'm the party leader i communicate to people i typically don't like to be the party leader but if i am i will absolutely communicate to people and this will go into why people always yell for bullshit like our 15 dds is because they don't know how to communicate and they don't know the criteria to establish for interviewing their party members i mean you don't have to play the job you just have to ask basic questions or if you don't know what you want out of people then yeah you're gonna have a problem being the leader of a group maybe you should i, mean, I want to say you should join some first but i mean 
I'm going to have to actually know what's going on when you invite people to do something other than, can I have Bisquick? Right. Well, I mean, you can just research what the mob does. Like, even at the basic stance of like, hey, I'm about to fight something that's a black mage. Maybe it's in my best interest to silence it. Hey, but Fox, it's not not in the wiki. Which, yes, a lot of times, a lot of things, especially I have not put newer information for Odyssey stuff on the wiki because I'm busy. Fucking someone else can do it. Um... It's not, it's not in the wiki, therefore everyone just stops. They don't they don't go any further. They don't Google. They don't, you know, you can Google if you know how to use Google. I guess we have to teach people how to use Google. If you put in FFXIH plus the term you're looking for, you can find the thread if you're including compounding terms. Something. You can find certain things or check the JP wiki. I mean, there's other there's other ways to find information other than it's not on BG. It doesn't exist. I don't know what to do. Anyone know what to do? You know, that that's typically, honestly... The problem people have, I think. I'll just wait till we get to enfeebling. <laughs> We're almost there, and I've got, yeah, light, fucking light people up. Let's get to it. Uh, well, I mean, to, to round out enhancing, though, like, you want to make sure that you have the right buffs in your party. Don't always just shout for the mainstay of, you know, Geobard core, because you may not need all of those at the same time. Um, make sure that you're inviting roles that will provide benefit to the group outside of, I'm here to do damage. No, you, you want someone who's there to do damage, plus also provides some other cohesion to the party. So just think of it that way. I have shining um, one, but I shine bright. You do shine bright, and that usually means you also have at least one defense down effect that you can provide to the party. Anywho, enfeebling. Oh, red mages. So one of the main things I hear from a red mage is my very first bullet point on here. And do I need, or do I use more skill or accuracy? I hear that a lot too. What, what do you what do you think the answer to that is? Well, I'm gonna have to say they both help accuracy. Sure do. So are they asking what tier they should be when they cast something? Potentially, um, and like that's fragile? that's a good question. That, that's a really good question. Like people will just assume this question in itself, ask it, but apply nothing else around it that lets anyone answer the question. And this is like a common complaint from me explaining stuff. You need to land the spell. I mean, at the end, at the end of the day, if you do not land the spell, you are useless as a red mage. I'm I'm gonna say, I I don't I'm not even reading down here. Although I see the point I'm actually thinking about right now. I'm gonna say I don't play red mage and know nothing about it and don't counsel them. But I'd imagine you'd want to cast Frazzle two in absolute balls to the wall, uh, magic accuracy, and then have a potency Frazzle three. And even then, I'd imagine the potency on your Frazzle three versus what you're fighting. I mean, that Frazzle 2 might necessarily give you enough magic accuracy. You would want to have multiple sets otherwise than just full potency and not. I mean, if you're having trouble with that full potency set, maybe you got to swap it around to a close to full potency set. But it'll depend on what you got, but you should be able to account for this. I don't play the job. Don't know shit about Red Mage besides what anyone else knows about it. And that occurred to me right away. So I'd imagine it's not as complicated yeah. as people make it out to be. You don't play the job. And right there, you apply, you applied enough logic to at least approach this properly. There is a piece in there that you're missing, um, and that's understandable, and that's kind of why I want to bring this to light. But more importantly, it, critical thinking, again, you can you can use one spell that, overwrite, that you overwrites another, so why don't you use the one to try to provide as much of a bonus to the other as possible in order to make sure that it's as potent as it can be. So this idea is that you cast Frazzle 2 at like max magic accuracy, like as much at magic accuracy as you can so you can land it. 
So that way its magic accuracy down effect is effectively boosting the accuracy of Frazzle 3. And this is this is a common understanding from a lot of red mages. It's like, well, I should do this. Yet I see a, a frightening number of them never do it. Any number is frightening. And that's not even it. Like, you can actually have two sets for Frazzle 2 if you're a good red mage. Your first set for Frazzle 2 is going to be all-out magic accuracy. Well, this I is wouldn't like say highest. it makes them a good red mage. I don't want to be diminutive to people who don't account for situations they should account for. It just means they're not prepared and, you know, they haven't been maxed. I, I guess you're right. I guess I'm being too they're harsh not on that. bad. They're just not well, as prepared as they otherwise could or should be. Let's let's take it this way. So you, you have two types of Frazzle 2, then. Um, you have the one that's, that's full-on magic accuracy, right? So you're landing an effect. It provides some amount of um, magic evasion down to the mob, but maybe you aren't like capping any particular, um, you know, the demind part of it, even though it's fairly easy still on Frazzle 2. Um, but basically, it's like all magic accuracy, right? And then you have a different Frazzle 2 that's still very high magic accuracy, but it also has all of your enfeebling plus effect effects on there. So that way, you're still landing an incredibly high magic accuracy Frazzle 2. Maybe you've backed off on the mind a bit. But you're, you're still providing a more powerful Frazzle 2 on something that maybe your Frazzle 3 needs the help on, but you need just a little bit more evasion down to get that Frazzle 3 on there for full potency. And Fox. and it, it's up it's up to you to decide which one you want to use. Fox, uh, is this a secret Red Mage episode? Um, It might be by the end. With my disdain for be- how people play Red Mage nowadays. Yeah. Isn't it just melee? No. No, it's not. Is it just a melee? You can. A lot of people think that I have a problem with red mages that melee, and I don't. I have a problem with red mages that don't do their fucking job because they're in the party for a reason. And also, I want to clarify about that. You're not a bad red mage, you're not prepared thing. That is true, but if you are a summoner in the same context here who has a three-minute Haska, you are a bad shit summoner who is not prepared and should not be in the job. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's a difference between having multiple sets and not having any. Yeah, I guess I, I just I, I mainly want to give the red mages some food for thought. Like you, you can tear these out, and even if this is just a toggle, it, it's it's a simple magic accuracy versus potency toggle. And even if it only applies to Frazzle two, you'll notice that there's a huge difference in how it can help you land Frazzle three. You know, we say toggle as if it's simple, and it is. But I want to say that besides not making sets or asking what they should use stuff like that. And even I think I think this is even more prevalent than that by far is people don't have their own gear swap, don't know how to make one, don't want to make one, don't want to have to spend a time or learn. You don't have to, obviously, but they don't have one that accommodates their play style or these sort of things and might not be, you know, no one wants to add random toggles. I've been in the point where I'm condensing all my toggles into as few buttons as possible, which is actually feeling really good and fluid. Yeah, that's fair. And like you can phone a friend. Um, you can even just use the in-game system to land this spell. It's not like you're constantly casting it. Yeah, that's actually true. You could use the in-game sets for this because it's, you know, if you have gear swap. Well, actually, no. If you try to cast it, wouldn't it overwrite your in-game sets because you have gear swap? So in your macro, you would start the line with the magic, whatever Frazzle 2 you want that wants to be augmented. You would start with a uh, slash slash GSC um, disable. Uh, just oh, disable. Okay, yeah, yeah, you could do that. And then you would go to the cast, and then you would have like weights or even a manual retrigger that enables it afterwards. And yeah. then that way, you're guaranteeing you're using the set outside. It's janky, it is. but if you don't want to phone a friend and make your Lua work, it's still a workaround that will work for you. You know, the problem with that too that I don't think we would think about right off the bat is when you do that, it gives you a message in your um, 
input log in the top left or whatever, and it's going to tell you it's enabled with the red text popping up, and it is going to tell you it's disabled again. You know, so that's actually kind of annoying too. Yeah, it is annoying, but at least you know it's working though. And I, I would la- actually have a lot of these red mages start there, knowing that there's things are working, and then move from there. And honestly, you don't have to know much or anything about gear swap. I don't really, but if I need to make a rule about priority of sets here, so for going back to the idle stuff, when you people put all this refresh in their idle set, just make a rule where uh, you do uh, an if, although I know someone's making fun of me because they were trolling me recently by saying I have so many <laughs> ifs, thens in my thing. If, just, if, if. just do if, you know, you might have to look up the, the, the syntax for it, but just do, uh, you know, if, you know, if player, you know, if idle, then if, you know, if your MP is less than, you know, 50%, then should go to this idle set, else go to this idle set. So you can do that too and get all these things that people do and not have bad idle sets or not have this or that and just got to tear it out. It's not hard to do. Well, also always make sure that it's manually overridable too. You don't want your Lua locking you into something automatically that you need to fix manually because like if you're like below 50% MP and it locks you into this refresh set and then all of a sudden you're taking this AOE damage. I've had that happen where, on Rune where I, I'm oh like trying to pull and then suddenly my DT is gone and my waist for the stupid uh, MP sash and I just have yeah, to add and not idle index equals equals three or whatever. So it doesn't do it when I'm in that idle set where I don't want to lose that DT. Yeah, be mindful of the changes you make to things, whether it be your Lua or your sets in general. Just... Make sure you're not locking yourself into bad situations, I guess. Yeah, it's fun, though, to get your stuff actually... When something fits you like a glove rather than fits you like a pair of Walmart sweatpants, then, I mean, it's kind of satisfying, too. Yeah. It's only so much in the game you can do. You might as well adventure into something that pertains to you that makes you the guy. I don't want to sound like a bunch of cheaters on this episode. (gasps) Anyway, so... (laughs) <laughs> what, what I'm trying to get at, though, is you want to think about your sets. You want to at least look at what these spells are and figure out at least the one time you need to do it when you're filling out your Lua or, or your gear set or whatever. Um, figure this, this, this out. Don't just go to a guide and copy it. I'm going to tell you right now, Ooh. the set that's in the Red Mage BG community guide is still just as wrong as when I first complained about it like 20 episodes ago. So in October? <laughs> yes, it is still wrong. It is still not a good set. Uh, and, and I like the in note. here specifically, spicy. It's not about me fixing it. Okay. It's about people knowing that they shouldn't just copy paste shit, and that they should go in and figure out how their spells actually work. How can I reach these foxes? Fox. I mean, you could do some good. You could just take your sets and throw them in there. No one will care. They're better than what they're there. I mean, just, just take yeah, it. They might not have my gear either. It doesn't. Well, do them when anything. I make a guide in the set, I assume that the person who needs the guide doesn't have that gear or is working on getting it. I mean, it doesn't mean you can't put it in there. Just make a little thing that says sets by Fox and everyone will go, oh, Fox made sets. <gasps> and, and, you know, yeah. just throw them in there. You play the job all the time anyway. If you want to do some good, do some good. I wish Otherwise, I did, but I you, you can't complain about the community guide. You can make the point that don't just copy it, but you can't say the guide's bad because I won't help. I didn't say the guide was bad. I just said it wasn't fucking updated. Well, that's the case for a lot of things that are guides in this game, but Fox. You can yes. make the difference. And I'm not singling it out because it's the BG guide either. It's just I, I, I know that that's the resource that people copy paste from, and that's the problem, is they're copy pasting. Fox, I'll let you know the secret. It's okay to make fun of things on BG if they suck. It's not perfect. Well, right, I know. But I also don't want people to miss the point. <laughs> 
because people always miss the fucking point. And then I get grilled with all sorts of questions about shit that isn't relevant. Because... And then I get Merck calling saying, so-and-so said you'd mentioned my name in the podcast. Why can't you keep my name out of your mouth? And I'm like thinking to myself, Mer, aren't you happy everyone talks about you? And then, you know, then we got to hear about it. And then someone's going to tell him I said that. And then I never get a call about it because he doesn't want to hear for the seventh billionth time why he's actually fucking wrong. Yes, I, I, I get it. I'm sorry that you have to tank that because he doesn't want to call me. Anymore. I'm trying to be a friend. I know, man. But yeah, guys, don't copy paste things. It's you want to figure out what's going on so you can support your party properly. And this doesn't this isn't even just red mages like this is other jobs too. And just basically when you're filling stuff out and you need to make this set, it's not like you have to do the math all the time. You you just have to do it the one time you're building the set. And just it, it also gives you like kind of like a cognitive checklist for, hey, this part, this piece of my set feels kind of weak. Maybe I should upgrade this later. And it, it gives you that kind of that, that reasoning because you've worked through the set as to what your upgrade should look like. Because all the time, and I'm sure Spicy gets this question too, hmm. what, what's the next piece I should work for? I do get the question well, a lot. Well, what's the next best piece that you're looking at? Like as you're earning gear in this game, if you come across something and you're like, man, that is much better than my leg slot. Hang on, guys. Before it drops, let me ask the forums if this is better. Well, you don't want like, to have no. someone with lots of everything with no reason for it. but It's true, but if it's a better piece... If, it, if, and, it's, if it's available, then yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to dictate what people's lotting rights are or anything in this. <laughs> I feel like we're getting back into something we just got away from. Right. Um, but okay, is there a way we can fast track this Red Mage stuff? Because we've been talking for a long time about a lot of support related things, yeah. but it's been very too red mage specific. So is there a way I know this is important well, stuff, but it applies to Geo and White Mage and everything. I too. guess immuno breaks, um, yes, but well, just even starting at Frazzle One also, because Geo gets a lot of um a lot of magic accuracy in their sets. Sometimes that Geo landing Frazzle boosts that Red Mage's attempts to bo- to land Frazzle two, which then boosts Frazzle three. Yeah, like Saboteur and stuff we don't have to go into. Yeah, yeah look up Saboteur. It's awesome. You should do that. Um, also the, um, the debuffs that you need to cast, like this isn't red mage specific either. Um, don't ask this fucking question, land all your debuffs. What role should I use? What role should you use? Well, that might take a little more analysis, like to, to understand roles, like, man. I know you only get two roles. Too but, many choices. <laughs> oral role. Give, give me that. Give me that. That spell interrupt. Dude, actually back in the day at 75, Coral roll was really awesome, and I would use it in groups because the paladins would suck and constantly interrupt them when trying to cure or something. And that coral roll would let them cast and not get interrupted before they change how spell interruption rate works and stuff. And it used to be actually great to give to parties during events and NMs and stuff, especially if there's a second Corsair. I would love that coral roll, and no one else would use it. And I would love because, I mean, depending on what you're fighting, you get interrupted a lot, especially back at 75. So that was actually a super before it wasn't anymore a super great roll. You know, I have a I have a big thing in here on debuff priority as well. Um, I think that's what you're talking about with the whole saboteur thing. Um, yeah. yeah, it would be beneficial to talk about this, but I can understand why it could be a bit much. Basically, what you want to do is you want to look at the fight you're approaching, and you have to know that there might be an order change to how you land your debuffs. Like, what is going to wreck your group? Um What's the most dangerous thing? Like, what do you want to land under your saboteur window if you're a red mage? Because saboteur is only on for so long. Um, you you want to be able to take this sort of thing into account. Um, what do you need to immuno break out of there? Because if you need to immuno break something, you need to do that under the saboteur window because you'll get bonuses to it. Uh, you, you, you just want to take all this into account. 
So I'm going to use like the the Odin strat uh, for Red Mage um, end spell dagger and, and daggering it. Um, in that fight, you want to land your magic evasion down on him, and then you want to immunobreak that silence and get that long silence on him as fast as possible. And then you want to give him distract and get addle and paralyze and all that stuff just to get that, all that on there. Is Dion? And that's a good question. Like, do you want to put Dion? Well, I'm just saying, I think a lot of times the first thing people cast is Dia. Yeah. And that may make sense if you have a lot of DDs fighting something, but a lot of times you should have other stuff on first. Yeah. Um, in this situation, use your brain. Uh, you do not want to use Dia on Odin because you do not want to lower his PDF. <laughs> you are trying to hit Zero to feed him those. <laughs> and you also don't want to kill you, so you want to lower his attack. Yeah. But if you notice, um, I didn't go like straight to all of the normal D- DD related things because in a Zerg Fest, your, your order changes. Um, you still want to generally land Frazzle 3 first so that way you can get your best potency debuffs on. Um, but then you you also want to um, bury it under a battery of being having your DDs be able to hit it. So usually it would go like Frazzle 3 and then into Distract 3 and then usually into Dia 3, which you want to announce so that your Corsair can light shot it. Again, it's a mechanic with light shot where they can turn it into basically Dia 4. And let me interrupt then, you there. Yeah. In order to increase Dia 3 to Dia 4 on Corsair, that is one light shot. You can do the same exact thing with Dia 2, but that is two light shots. Didn't they change that? Not that I'm pretty sure they changed that. Did they? Yeah, it, you no longer double stacks. I'm curious, like the monkey George. But well, yeah, the, you go on and look that up. The Dia 2.5 or or whatever that's going to provide you is still better than the Dia 2, right? So it's free. Announce it so that your uh, your Corsair can do it. Um, Immunobreaks. Uh, the way a lot of people approach immunobreaks, and, and if you don't know what that is, it's where a monster has a resistance trait. And you have to overcome that resistance trait. So SE implemented a way where if you cast several times, you'll see that it eventually breaks and you'll get a message and uh, the effect will land. And a lot of times um, if the mob is resistant to it, this is the whole SDT thing that Spice was talking about before that I didn't call SDT ever. Um, if the monster's resistant, it's already going to have a uh, lower duration once that spell lands. If, it, if it's already resistant to that particular spell. So like if it's uh, SDT resistant to silence, it's not going to land for quite as long, um, so just be prepared for that. Okay. And be ready to recast so it. what that is is before it was known as species damage taken. Before we understood how things work, when they made the skill chains do not get resisted anymore, we could find the exact values of a resistance value. So it was known as species damage taken, where ghosts and skeletons were fifty percent or yeah. lower, and they always resisted. That was known as you know they didn't have a resistance to sleep. It was that if the value for a mob. Every, let's say a neutral mob is 100%, so it's not 110, which would be a 10% bonus. It's not 90, which is a 10% reduction. It's just plain 100%. Uh, certain families have various values, which I've slowly been adding to the wiki over time, and NMs often break this rule, although they tend to also not break the rule, or at least be in some sort of a similar format where it's like, sure, they may have more or less of a certain value, but it's close to what it usually is. So, you know, the skeleton might be normally 50% darkness. Uh, but maybe the NM's 30%, something like that. Rake, besides changing magic accuracy, the reason it also adds damage is because it changes that value by one per each rune. So let's say a typical value is like 87.5, and the next one's like 100, and then after that it goes 110. It's, it's not a standard 10, 10, 10, it's like different values. I think it goes from like 30 to 40 to 50 to like 7. It's, it's different. It's, it's on the wiki page for SDT. But it was known as species damage taken because it was assumed the species had like a resistance, like uh, 
uh, Sahagin to water. It was known, but it wasn't like there wasn't an exact value to it. Uh, it became specific damage taken because I decided that was what it's called, which is different from SDT special damage taken, like Rampart is known as special damage taken. So there were always two SDTs, but since the you know the non-Rampart variety was not commonly spoken about in that manner, it only resurfaces the thing later. So I've been thinking yep. about the other night, just how do I add this to the page to differentiate? <laughs> it needs to be like a special damage taken page or whatever. And, uh, you know, it, it's just a thing. But if you're at 50%, 5% is pretty much immune. That is immune. But if you're at 50% or less, no matter what, if you land that spell. So if you land sleep on a ghost and it's 50%, which that's the native tier. Different subspecies also tend to have different values. Um, sometimes not, sometimes yes. So you can see it's a big confusing patchwork here. Then that will never be a full 100% duration. So it will be a half duration sleep on that ghost every time even if you land it because it it forces at 50 percent it forces a resist no matter what yeah. which is very long-winded but that's the, the the nature of it it's very it's super interesting though yeah so i i mean long-winded aside just be ready if you generally if you have to immune break something just be ready to resilence it maybe or resleep it or whatever sooner than you would have normally like it, it just tells you hey i maybe i should be ready to deal with this um immuno breaks are a big thing um when it when it comes to this sort of thing and a lot of times people will just go oh let the red mage take care of it well the red mage has other things they need to land also and while saboteur is really great for immuno breaking you don't need to be the only one doing it um you actually want other people like your white mage or your geo trying to help with the immuno break but not over help like they should try to cast like the first or maybe maybe even the second one sometimes um but as long as the red mage is the last one that actually breaks it, because generally you'll you'll know based on the mob and fighting it and researching it uh, how many immuno breaks is needed to actually bypass that resistance and to get that break, um, you can actually have like your geo or your white mage or your scholar like pre-trigger that by getting their their extra casts out there, and that's the value of the chironic pants that give immuno break plus one. You can have that on those other jobs, and you can actually factor that into your immuno break cycle, so that way your red mage ends up breaking it. But it gets that head start from those other jobs that were helping you out. And magic accuracy is important for immuno break. If you do have no accuracy, then you're not going to get breaks. You can see this yeah. on um, what's not Neek, not Yakshi. What's the other one? The Peast. Actually, oh, uh, Maju. Yeah, Maju. You see it on Maju where if you have no, if you put up a focus, it increases your immuno breaks dramatically. It's a magic accuracy related check with the immuno break as well. You can't just cast it on like a naked job and have immuno break really. Yeah. And I mean, just for magic evasion in general, um, rake is not just for damage. Uh, Threnities, have your bards actually use this? Like, I see a lot of them use Elegy, but a lot of times they just won't use Threnity. They won't talk to the uh, Red Mage or anyone trying to land any debuffs and find out, hey, you know, what can we do to make this smooth so that way we can get more spells cast, especially under something like Saboteur. Or just, if your healer is also your debuffer, you want them to finish that as fast as possible so that way they can focus on what they need to focus on. Um, so, you know, just because you aren't debuffing doesn't mean that you can't contribute. And the only way to change that SDT value, besides skill chains also, uh, is the other way to do it. When you do a skill chain, it will lower the resistance of that element that is most resistant to in the mob. Otherwise, it's a specific order, which is listed on the SDT page. So a skill chain itself, uh, you can increase the damage it does of a certain element by not only is it why multi-stepping is also powerful besides the multiplier going up. But also the skill chain itself during the window lowers the resistance to an enemy. 
So if you're doing a darkness skill chain against a ghost, for example, and it would not, it would have to be a compression skill chain because it would pick something that's not dark. You can lower the resistance of that ghost or something above that threshold. So I'm getting off on a tangent, but the only way besides rake <laughs> is, you know, rake changes that tier, but threnody does not change that tier. As far as I understand, even though I'm not a bard, I'm going to say threnody is like a elemental specific frazzle. That used to be a classic way that we would handle debuffing mobs that were resistant, though. We used to, like, back in the 75 era, we used to set up skill chains, and along with, like, the um, the rest of the bursts that would occur from, like, black mages and stuff, red mages would use this as an opportunity to get, like, paralyzed on something that was resistant. Um, whereas, you know, ice spells were going off to, to do damage. Like, you, you would actually throw that in there because you'd have a higher chance of actually landing it. Yeah, there's a magic accuracy boost from magic bursting, too. But it also changes the STT value, so it can actually help a lot on NMs that normally you can't land the debuffs on otherwise, even with Threnody and stuff, because the tiers are so low that you need to change them in order to actually land a spell. Yeah. Which is actually super important if people factor that incorrectly to Magic Burst. If you can find... Because you can... Anyone who goes out and does the, the skill chain to test the value of the mob based on how much damage they take, uh, for how much they should take from it, uh, if you need to, let's say, silence an NM that isn't, you know, some also have a immunity built in, like, you're just not going to land it. They have a resist silence that's ridiculous. Um, you could do that on a certain NM that people don't try to do it on. You can do a magic burst if you have rake on, too, on top of that. And then you could potentially land silence during that window where you couldn't normally have landed it. So, I mean, there's ways to use these things that we don't use them typically that are actually really important for strategies. Yeah, there. These are these are mechanics, aside from just the formulas, that you can apply to strategies and actually get a tangible benefit out of it. And a lot of times people just don't think about this stuff. I'd imagine if you had to go test it against a wind elemental, you could do um, rake against a wind elemental and actually land silence where if it's not on, you will not do that. So you could do the same to any NM, frankly, I would imagine. Actually, I wouldn't give a blanket statement like well, that. Yeah, well, yeah, outside of immunities that are built in beyond the STT things. Because I imagine, yeah. I don't know this for a fact, but I think SE does build in resistances to certain things where you're just never going to land. Like it says completely immune. I think the completely immune part is you're not going to land it, period. Otherwise, yeah. not just the... You just see a resist otherwise. And you'll see that message resist exclamation point, and that's that's where you should raise an eyebrow. Unless it says completely immune. But yeah, I, I see what you were saying. It's just those, those absolutes always... Yeah, well, you're, you're correct to correct that because... <laughs> correct to correct that. Because that's, that's an important <laughs> thing to stipulate. And then um, just pay attention to what subjobs you can get away with, too. Just as a quick aside, I kind of touched on it earlier. Um, but one really, really important one that comes up, especially in a lot of ambuscades, um, if Scholar is your healer, Scholar, if sub-white mage, which is already really helpful for not having to change modes on being able to Paralina or, or whatever, um, if you're sub-white mage, you actually gain access to Repose. And a lot of times people think that Bard is like the only reliable light-based sleep and like white mage is okay at it. Um, Scholar gets a shit ton of magic accuracy, um, especially if you cast it with the relic plus three head, um, along with like your your double uh, light weather effect, along with altruism, which is another like I think it's like plus thirty bonus to um, magic accuracy. Um, Scholar after Bard is probably the next best light based sleeper. You know, I'm going down the rabbit hole here of this fucking quick draw shit, and because it's <laughs> Chia, and because he does what he does. So on the page, which I believe Chia added this, it says captured through one shot. But in his testing on the talk page, it just shows the before and after. It doesn't say how many shots he used. It just says the before and after. And I don't know if that's just two shots is the same or not or not. But I'd imagine 
because the main page says captured their one shot that yes it was changed and i shouldn't be telling I, people to waste i remember shot. the discussions about it when se updated corsair it was due to the corsair job changes and they updated it to be a single shot so that um except for elemental debuffs it's still two shots for that unless the page wasn't updated i think the page just wasn't updated it actually is possible because he tested uh, no, Slow was tested even before this and it captured their one shot no matter what. So that was never added there. Oh, this is weird. I mean, get someone, can someone please test this and update it, please? Someone update the wiki. But uh, debuffs, though, uh, just to round out debuffs, uh, not just a red mage can cast them. Um, red mages specifically, because it's your job in the party to do this first and foremost, need to be on top of what they're doing. And sure, you can be there to DD. Just don't forget your job because... Those debuffs are being counted on by the party. They are huge. They're they, the they reason to justify your existence. Otherwise, we could have taken a warrior. Yes, like the um, like the the tier three frazzle and distract spells, particularly um, along with like dia three. Though those are probably the three most impactful spells in the game um, because of how much they reduce stuff by. Like uh, like the evasion down on distract three, if you're geared properly, is almost negative three hundred. Which is far better than Geo, unless you're using both bubbles and no frailty. Yeah, I mean, against NMs, it's probably going to be in the land of like around 250 something. I forget my exact math on it. Um, but versus like other things, it can be um, 250 still crazy. It, it's it's around like 275 or something if you're geared properly. It, it's it's a huge amount. It's like it's like eating three pieces of sushi. We'll put it in this context here. The amount of accuracy you get from a blade madrigal. And just a sword magical, if you're using both, is still only what 199. So that's not even a frazzle. Not even a fucking frazzle. Not even a distract yeah. is what it is. You have to have honor march thrown in there on top of that to reach that level. But if you know your red mage is a boss and they have this high potency distract three, it changes what your other buffs are. Like it makes it so that maybe you don't need the magical. It, it makes it so maybe you don't need. Um, uh, the Geo one, I, I forget what that's called for some reason. Torpor. Torpor makes it so you don't need torpor or precision yeah. or the accuracy precision. Um, it changes how the rest of your debuffs go. Like that's how important it is, and this is why I get so mad about red mages doing it wrong um, because they change the rest of the dynamics of your party if they're played properly. And that's what cap song, by the way, too. So you have to have like everything on bard. Yeah. And then honor march, blade madrigal, and um, sword madrigal would put you with capped everything at. 257 accuracy, which is still lower than how far distract can go. Yeah, and don't be afraid to try things. Like the last thing I'll say about it is that Bard gets Dispelga and Bard can land Dispelga. So marinate on that. Oh, with the, the Daybreak? Yeah, with Daybreak and no inherent uh, enfeebling magic skill, you can still land Dispel, Dispelga on Bard. Yeah, but Funk talked That's about how, how much Bard magic, accuracy. magic accuracy you can cast. Yep. Especially if a red mage helps you. And it gets in Yanga, so it gets a pretty good idol set with refresh to cast the Spelgus, because it's like 200 MP. Exactly. Um, so just know what status effects are tied to what elements. Uh, it's on BG, it's listed. Um, pay attention to the species damage taken, it is important. Specific um, damage taken? Specific damage taken, sure. And um, just make sure you're approaching the. the the content like competently you don't just copy paste shit you think it would make sense to lump it in and just change it to special damage taken say there's two kinds of special damage taken one is the elemental resistance particularly to a mob and another is rampart uh one for all and things like that i think it makes sense to have two sdts that are the same thing but people won't know what they're talking about i would want to double check that the math related to the damage of it applies multiplicative i was talking about making them the same named item 
Well, yeah, but the, the danger of making the same named item is that if someone confuses it, they'll they'll possibly try to attribute it to a damage formula where it doesn't exist in the damage formula, and they'll be yeah, like, they're separate. This is they're wrong. Separate Let's cause a problem. Yeah. So I I, I wouldn't name it the same thing. That was just it, just it comes in my mind. I was just wondering. Yeah. I know it'd be confusing, but I could make a page that says. I might two. be picking too much. Yeah, I think I'm just making it needlessly confusing for no reason. <laughs> So yeah, I'm I'm done with Enfeebles unless there's anything you wanted to add, man. Done with what? Just Enfeebles in general. Oh no, I mean outside of Blue Mage having fancy Enfeebles, um, I mean <laughs> there's nothing really because we already covered uh, Foul Waters, which was fun. Um, there's nothing. As I said, Fred Ferrar earlier was a good one. Yeah, it's it's the idea behind it. Like we identified that Embos is weak to wind. Fred Ferrar is wind. It's going to also give the defense down. So let's go ahead and apply it. And it worked. You know, the, the theory behind the thing being weak to something in particular worked 100%. I mean, now that I know it can land, I might just take the plunge and look at my damage and cast it a couple times to make sure it's on. I mean, I'm using Tizona anyway, so I have the MP. So, But, I mean, it was good to see if it is landing, which I thought it would, because even though these NMs have reduced values than 100 generally at this point, so it would be 70 instead of 100, I mean, it's still above 50, so it's not the magic accuracy matter at that point. Well, when we go back to the uh, the V10 on that also, um, I'm going to let the beetle die the first time. I'm just going to use it to get the killer instinct buff out. So that way it triggers a, a beetle killer or a vermin killer instinct buff. When it dies, I'm going to bring up the slug and I'm going to have the slug give the negative. Uh, okay, so never mind. I don't even because I'm only doing that, that way we can keep abusing killer instinct while also getting slug stuff. Wow. It's like you're thinking. Right. I got kind of lazy in the Enfeebles so, fight. No, now that we're done with Enfeebles, I think we're going to get more into the more abstract thing. Because, I mean, Blue Mage gets nice stuff. It gets a nice three-minute attack down of, I think, I'm going to say 20% from Scouring Spade at the top of my head. I think it's 25 for the one minute of um, Saurian Slide. Blue gets some very nice, unique debuffs, but nothing... It's more of a niche debuff. I mean, the silence is nice, and it's AoE for three minutes if it lands. The problem is always knowing if it lands or not, which is, if they fix that, I would be eternally grateful. After like evasion tanking Odyssey the way I do on Blue Mage, I think I actually kind of want to work scouring spate into that build in order to give the attack down to all those mobs around me on like floor four. Because well, that's where it starts to get scary. It's going to wake them all up. So you could, even though it's only 30 yeah. seconds, you could do um, a demoralizing roar. That's true. Because usually I lean on a actinctic burst or whatever for the flash to just evade it. But um, it's probably it's probably better. I don't know. Like I was I was I really want to address how much damage they do on floor four. And how even if you have crazy evasion, the amount of damage is still real. And well, you, you know, have to buff your defense more at that point on blow. Yeah, I'm sure you're using Which cocoon. Is, yeah, yeah, I'm keeping cocoon up, but I mean, you only mm. do so much. Yeah, hmm. yeah. The problem is it wakes them up, so you're going to take more damage oh. for no reason. So if you just time your demoralizing roar, see these are support mechanics. Oh, they, the other day when you guys ran off actually <laughs> to, to pull the stuff further down, um, I actually used Tenebro Crush to wake up the saplings <laughs> so I could move them over to the uh, uh, the the pugils or whatever. You might as well have used uh, Embalming Earth for the nice slow effect. Blue gets a good slow effect if there's no one else around. It's just knowing it's on. Yeah, and just dealing with the, the slots too is frustrating. Well, it's nice because Embalming Earth gives 6 strength and attack trait plus, so you get something from that. But the slow is 25%, so it's a pretty good slow. Yeah, I do actually hate and speaking of the attack plus, like I do actually hate how my kit like doesn't let me be any kind of a DD, and that that is kind of detrimental. 
it's especially great uh, to have it when Blue Mage has no sub job uh, now in Odyssey because it's really important to get that attack. For sure. So the next part is the part that no one wants to hear about. What's because nobody part? likes to do it. It's healing. Uh, well, I like healing, especially White Wind. It's been great for stuff like Mabos. Yeah, it is. White Wind's been great on Odyssey farms, too. Oh, yeah. It's, it's awesome. If you want to back up your scholar, like set white wind if you're a blue mage. Like it, it shores up a lot of weaknesses, uh, along with winds of Primivian. Yeah, Tellys especially. That's a great one for white wind during the like 200 tick Dia invincible stage. Gross, yeah, because you're not doing damage anyway. So cure potency though. Um, every job is going to handle cure potency differently. Um, every job has a slightly different formula. Um, whether your healing magic is gimped because it's sub job because you're like Geos of White Mage. Or let's say healing magic affects some of your spells, but not others, because uh, you're on blue mage. Like there, there's, um, or even just your white mage main, where you have to decide at what point is healing magic skill better than mind, or where does cure potency one and two come in. Um, it's not always just cure potency two, although most of the time, especially on a job like white mage, it is. Um, but on a job like let's say geo, where healing magic skill is so abysmal, a lot of times you actually want to work in as much skill as possible over even mind, uh, in order to make the the formula balance out right. So just approach it differently depending on what job you're on. So that way you only have to cast the cure once rather than twice and free yourself up to do the other things that you really want. Party. You know, I went to the healing magic page on BG and it is actually shit. It does not have the formula I want. Man, someone should fix it. It also has a chart too. A chart for like cure power, right? Does it? Oh, it's under cure potency. I need to put this information there. So I know Um, when I go to healing magic that that's what I'm looking for. Um, but a lot of times people think that only white mage can cure though, um, while you're, while you're looking at that, um, because they get like the Eber's pants plus one where they have like, um, MP returns for heals. Isn't there, does um, it white mage only from the pants from the mom wolf fight popping in peril too? Yeah. Yeah. It's only white mage for those also. That's um, lame. that's really sad. Mm-hmm. I guess they thought it'd be too overpowered. I would love for scholar to get it, but, uh, or even geo to get it. Um, but I, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say it's overpowered because I, I never run out of MP on Scholar either. Well, it's different. It was like six years ago when they made those pants. Yeah, and, and I mean the the pants are great. Like, don't get me wrong. Um, especially if you're if if you're like cure skinning because like you don't get the benefit of it. But if you have to like waste MP to give cure skin because that's one of the awkward things about White Mage is if you're cure skinning people and like when they're at full health, you're not getting any returns off those pants. Um, so you really want to like be as MP cautious as possible. If you specifically have to do that for your group and the cure skin is when you're using a flat of solace to, um, basically apply a stone skin effect to the, uh, your target of your single target cures, um, based on a, a certain percentage of what that would have healed. It's actually very potent. Um, but it is also a huge waste of MP. So that will be your, your main MP sink when you're healing. You know, I know it's 2% less for the Sifahir slacks, but if your MP is above a certain threshold, you do get cure potency on those. You could work it around the set, but that's a way to get more power out of your cure. But I think that's that's really kind of bleeding the stone at that point. Yeah, and I, I mean, cure potency, especially cure potency one, is not really an issue for White Mage. Um, if that was on like Geo, those pants would be amazing. And well, not I, just because of the return, just you have better pants for curing. Like I otherwise, the, if you like the difference is the difference is that it's you know, 2% less care to MP and it's 3% less care casting time, but it is care potency 10 in the same slot. So you could take it off a different slot, but I don't know what yeah. a white mage set looks like. I was just, I see those. And I get excited. I'm like, Ooh, I could shift everything around now. Yeah. A white mage generally caps a lot of their cure potency one um, in the club. I figured that was the case. 
Yeah, and then you get a lot of the rest of it off of like K-Cost, like random K-Cost pieces. So when someone goes upside their DD's head with a bottle of Bud, that white oh mage is ready because they're in the club. Oh man, I hate you a lot right now. <laughs> hey, by the time this episode's out, it will have already been my birthday, and we're going to party like it's my birthday, because we don't give a fuck, it's not my birthday. You just took me back to like 2002, man. Oh, it's a good time. Terrible, terrible rappers. You're right. Oh man, but yeah, just just don't believe what people say. White mage is not the only one that can that can cast cures. And don't no even believe what we say. Well, pe- people are always like, "Well, white mage is the only thing that can cure because they get the the cure MP returns," and that's not true. Like white mage's best cure MP returns are actually off of Kiraga spells. But in a lot of the content, especially now, like you're only really using Kiragas on Embos because you only want like a single DD in the fight. So I I don't know like. Just approach the content with an open mind because you'd be surprised what other jobs can pull off. These quote-unquote necessity pieces aren't as necessary as, you, as people want you to think. Uh, even moving on to status cures next. No, you don't need a Yak Rush. You, you really don't. I have healed almost all of the content in this game with minimal issue using just like misery before I had my Yak Rush. Yak Rush has actually just made me lazy as a white mage. It's oversold because of how great um, it is to be convenient but, you know, misery is underused. For sure. And the thing that's that's important about a white mage isn't the Yag Rush. It's any version of the JSE neck. Being able to, to erase two things at once is what's going to help you overcome auras, and that's what's important. So an aura on a mob is where they give you, like, an AoE defense down, but if they also hit you with, like, a Dia effect that you have to get rid of or something like that, if you cast Erase, which removes a detrimental effect like that, you could hit the aura, and then the aura is going to immediately come right back. So it's like a gamble on whether or not you're actually going to hit that erase effect that you need to remove. If you erase two effects at once, you're guaranteed to hit something that isn't the aura as well. And that's where White Mage really shines. Um, and that's where it has an advantage over other jobs trying to status secure. So you definitely want to know how auras work and what uh, healer to bring based on what auras you, you're teaching, or based on what status effects or, or how the status effects getting applied. That's the deal. You know, I mean... On top of that, if we're talking support, an underutilized Blue Mage support, uh, support spell, if you are curing people, and it really, really depends on... <laughs> diapers. It really depends <laughs> on the moon phase, and if you have the extra one oh, point... Oh, moon phase. I love what you're about to If you have about. the extra one point to do it, and I usually don't bother to, but you can get oh, Cure 5 phase. easily on Blue Mage with Plundaline Embrace and give your person you're casting on a 15% attack bonus and, you know... You can really get ridiculous cures out of plenty on embrace. It's awesome you brought that up because I tried to use that on Blue Mage for the longest time, but I always found that one point was still at a premium. Yes, that's usually the problem I have is why I've never considered it. But it's if you'd use it at the right time, I mean, even half the time, still a seven and a half percent. What slot does Nature's Meditation share with attack boost? It's not Berserk. Does anyone else have an attack boost that conflicts with that? Um, I've only had trust like uh, Ezinmil esque conflict with it. I don't think so. It might be no. That that's uh, that's boost. Um, the war cry from Ifrit actually does weird things with boost, uh, so people should avoid that. But I can't think of nature's meditation. Should avoid boost in general. Eh. Oh, on, on on blue mage maybe, but on monk there's reasons to use it. But yeah, this is actually a uh, if you're a blue mage that wants to be more of the guy, then if you have the point for it, depending on what you're doing. I mean, you would need some rules too, because unlike Magic Fruit, this has a a hundred higher cap for 
potency or of, of curing in general so you have an extra 100 free to work with but it's affected by moon phase is the problem but it's also affected unlike magic fruit by uh elemental affinity uh like you know day weather so yep. you can use the obi with it you can't use the obi with magic fruit so you can get in the right situation a nice attack boost to your people and have like a ridiculous you could probably do what 14 15 i mean i'm not gonna say 15 but my magic fruit already to other people does like 1100 if it's super geared correctly i think it's if i bother to fix it it's like close to 1100 so i imagine this should reach 1300 and this is another reason to know your cures and to know the mechanics behind them because uh something like magic fruit while it may not get like the, the day weather bonus or anything it's also not going to get the penalties either and that's something white mages complain about and stuff like dynamis with the double dark like if for whatever reason your aura storm falls or someone can't keep it on you or something like blue mage doesn't have to worry about that yeah, only with that one though. Maybe uh, carrot also, too. Using carrot. Also with healing breeze too, or not healing breeze. Um, actually, probably healing breeze, but um, white wind. wind. Yeah, you get uh, windstorm, and it actually improves that one. Oh, that's fancy. Yeah, I've never I found that out that. when I was testing. Uh, now yeah, I was te- I was testing for the Odyssey builds and stuff, and I was like, well, if I'm going to make a tank, I might as well also be able to heal people. So I was like, well, under what situations, you know, is my white wind going to be the best? Yeah, I was like, oh, cool. I gotta make a rule for the OP now. That's terrible. Yeah, I thought it was really weird that, that Aura Storm didn't affect it. Then I was like, well, this is dumb because this is a wind spell, of course. It's in the name. Okay. I, I know how I know how uh, Day Weather Affinity works. I might actually go back now to trying to work plenty on Embrace into sets because a lot of times I'm doing something I truly don't need Cocoon sometimes. It's true. It depends on whether or not you're receiving a lot of uh, fizz damage and AoE or just you're the target of something. Uh, I do want to mention uh, Leviathan and Carbuncle, though. Um, if you are oh, on boy. Summoner, you actually have the ability to do AoE uh, status removals and stuff. And I just want to make sure people actually know that that's something that I you think. can do. Yeah. Like, Summoner healing is really fun. It's very hard, and it's not the best. Like, a lot of times you can't just do it by yourself like a Scholar or a White Mage can. But if you're, like, supporting something like, let's say, a Blue Mage who can also do AoE cures or something... Um, a summoner being able to spot heal while also providing, um, you know, the the avatars, you know, taking the rest of the debuffs off can take care of a lot of those shortcomings that you have from not having a white mage. Uh, because that way you can get rid of uh, some of the status effects that would normally be locked behind an aura or something. So it's just something to think about, like, if that's your only option or if you don't have a white mage that's confident enough, you know, bring a summoner with that idea in mind. Speaking of... Summoner, when we're talking about removing status effects, you know the most underutilized blood pact I think there is in the game that I wish summoners would use more? Uh, pacifying Ruby? No, that one's more utilized than this. Shining Ruby. Oh, yeah, yeah, the extra... Um... 10% defense. Yeah. It stacks with protect, and it if you have Rampart, one for all, or Wind's Blessing, which you'd use Wind's Blessing for pure magic, you wouldn't, because I'd imagine the MDT on Shining Ruby caps with everything else. I imagine it doesn't exceed cap. But the extra 10% defense is actually really super good if you have a summoner around and any more, and it can make the difference between living and dying. That's why I say it's really super good. Yeah, for sure. It's free. Use it. Also, what's free is just a lot of those uh, summoner favors. Like I, A lot of times you see something like um, the double attack from Ifrit getting used, but you don't see stuff like the magic accuracy from uh, Leviathan blow. being used. Or the subtle blow. Yeah, the, I'm sorry, the subtle blow too at 23% when it's fully charged. Honestly, the magic accuracy from Leviathan with your summer in the back line, I have no idea why you wouldn't just have that out constantly. What else are you going to do? Refresh? I mean, there's a place for that, but why would you default? But it's not really needed, exactly. 
yeah, it's just stuff you want to think about. Like these, these, these jobs can fill other roles. Um, like just having this sort of thing available in a fight, like how we handled embos would be amazing. Like if that, if the, if the summoner get, if our summoner gets to the point where they can do like a cures and stuff to help back up our white mage, our white mage can spend more time, you know, removing status cures and stuff like, um, all of these things cascade off of each other and you, you got to fill these ideas with, with cohesion. Like you, you want to approach stuff so that everything works with everything else. Like it's a, like, it's a giant clock. I wish Essie would give us information on Avatar's favor because they, there's still no value known for the magic accuracy on Levi and the magic evasion on Fenrir. And those are important values because something like Titan, he got another hundred defenses. Nice. Uh, especially if you're using a percentage-based boost, like, I don't know. I forgot about Fenrir's magic evasion. That is important. Yeah, it is important, because Kate's set's favor for magic defense mode is newer than those two, so it's also taken more into account. 28 at the cap, so it's like pretty much 26 or 7 that you're going to have. That's a good amount of magic defense bonus. I don't know how much Fen does offhand, but Kate's also an avatar people call out for mewing and stuff, so there's a reason to have that magic defense bonus. considering a tank has anywhere between 40 and 50 magic defense bonus in their sets... Yeah, and a white mage provides. I think it's like another like ten if it's a matching bar spell. Um, having another like twenty magic defense bonus isn't anything to to laugh at. Like it's actually very strong. But here's the thing, though: Garuda only does at max forty three evasion, which is, I mean, it's useful. But in terms of everything else here, that's a garbage amount compared to twenty five percent double attack or all those other things there. It just full on floor four of shit. We'll see. That's for sure. Yeah, but. I mean, you don't know that magic evasion could be low. It could it just be. Could. It could just be the same value. It could be forty, which is garbage. Forty magic evasion is still fine, man. Like, that's, well, yeah, it's it's. You, kind you can of get hard. excited about like thirty magic evasion in like the club slot on a daybreak or something. Um, it's basically just like a free version of that. So, but you can't tie the job down to that. You can tie Siren down a subtle blow too, because that's the point of having it out for a setup or a strategy. But you can't tie down Fenrir to be out constantly. It depends, because like if you don't need the magic of or the magic accuracy from Leviathan anymore because things have landed, and you don't need like let's say subtle blow two because you aren't using those strats, um, you have people who are using uh, um, AM three, so you're not uh, using like, Ifrit. AM3, so you're not using Ifrit. Yeah, um, you, there might be an argument for like the crit rate on uh, on remove, but yeah. on a lot of the Odyssey the jail stuff. Um, those NMs, you actually don't want to crit them because it, it triggers red when you don't want it to. So, I mean, it's just, it, it could matter. It might not matter because a lot of time it's going to be on your back line rather than your front line, but it's an option if you feel you need to build around it. And that's actually, now that I think about it, it's a little more feasible now because in Odyssey, you can't take multiple jobs where some people have done before. It's like, why would I do this? I could have this job buff much more and that's, you know, not wasting the role. Uh, now taking a summoner to these Odyssey fights is actually a bit of an advantage with, with the things they can provide, whether it's buffs or favors. It's actually something to consider, and it does help. So where are we? Uh, not needing to heal to begin with, and not needing to heal part two. Wow, there's a lot of healing. Which, it, it sounds like it's longer than it is, but I mean, I could just condense the two. I was just being an ass when I wrote this up. But basically, if... Now we're at the point in this game where if we approach everything with all the mechanics in mind, a lot of times you don't need to heal as much as you think you will. And if everyone's doing their job appropriately, like nobody's taking damage. Like when it comes to damage, a lot of times, like if you bring a paladin, that paladin's gonna be able to main heal without any issue at all. Um, were you there in the ambuscade where I was like, fuck it, why don't our white mage just come warrior and uh, I main healed it on paladin? 
Um, I don't recall. Maybe not. Um, but yeah, we were just like, well, fuck having even a white mage in that run. And we just used meds and it was a super fast, like four minute run. We just went into the ambuscade. I healed it on Paladin. Nobody cared. In fact, we didn't even have bar spells. Like that's how strong everyone is now. And if you apply that and, and you really double down on it and understand the mechanics, even, even in these harder fights, uh, the same is true. Like uh, the first time we wiped on Embos, and again, it is only V5, but kind of take this story for what it is. Um, we didn't have quite the setup we wanted. And I sat there and watched Embos, its fetters, everything that it was doing just hit me for zero on, on Beastmaster. And it's simply because I had all the buffs. Those fetters are tricky too, because um, when I have those fetters out for like, I don't know, a different moment fighting, for example, was it Mabos when I was on Rune the first time? I, they were out, and my room was taking nothing, 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 and then suddenly my room was taking 200, 200, 200 before nothing, nothing, and it's like, okay, you know, I'd imagine it's just not me resisting or something weird happening, but those feathers, yeah, you might take zero on Beastmaster, but I was too before I got destroyed by him. Yeah, for whatever reason, um, you were getting, uh, you were resisting, and then you weren't resisting, so, I mean, it could be a mid-cast, it could be something. No, I wasn't even casting. I, I'm like, I didn't want to cast because I didn't want to get hurt by him. But I mean, even Canopierce, I took a Canopierce by myself for 240 damage. It was weird. That was awesome. Like I felt like the man. What, it's wait. not like you want to bank on that, but I mean that that just goes to show how powerful you can gear, though. Isn't like, it enmity related too? If you don't have any enmity or low enmity, that it doesn't do, or is it just always? I don't know. Canopierce or no? It's just Canopierce. My bad. I was thinking of timber. Yeah, I don't think I could have eaten the timber by myself. That's no, sure. no, because that's divided by people. Yeah, that would been that would have been GG. But uh, yeah, so I mean, it just kind of like. We just kind of timed out and I just kind of stood there and took damage from Embos. Or, sorry, no damage. But it, it, just, it just goes to show, though, that, you know, Beastmaster has a lot of gear options, but a lot of jobs have a lot of gear options now. And as long as you gear appropriately, you come in with the right buffs, um, the, the, the right idea of how you're going to attack the content, um, you'd be surprised if you even really need as much healing as you thought. Um, I thought originally um, we would need, like, at least a Paladin on Embos because you definitely want those AoE cures. But honestly, I don't. I'm not convinced you even need a tank. Blue Mage feels like AoE cures just fine in that. Yeah. Blue Mage yeah, tanks are just fine, too. It's, the other ones are much more serious than Embos for tanking. For sure, for sure. It's just about mitigating timber, really. Hold on. Fuck. And I, said, I said blue tanks are fine. Now we're going to have problems. You said pup's not a tank. No, no. The action of tanking, not being a tank. No, Correct. now we got to distinguish. Yes. Uh, so the distinguishment is you have to identify whether a tank is actually necessary. And that's part of being able to analyze the fight and the mechanics. I would like to see, for example, Gallant's role being used more. For the defense? Yes, it's actually ridiculous defense because in these runs in Odyssey, I pug all the time. The biggest problem is really someone dying to something stupid, and usually it's not necessarily magic. If it's the if you pop the uh, Tumult Curator guy or something and someone's on a DT, yeah, the magic move from him will kill you. But generally, people are dying to physical stuff, whether it's... Um, Slappy Bird. So the Apkalu, yes, oh god, the wing, wing whirl. They, they do wing whirl. Oh man, if your party's not ready for that, they'll take like nine thousand. Well, people, people just skip them. That's what they always do is just skip them. Oh, we doom the shit out of them. Oh yeah, we doom them because we're doing a Absolutely. cool joke strat, which is nice. But I'm talking on fetters and stuff. People will get aggro from something in the background. It happens all the time in these runs. You might be finding a fetter and something blood aggro's in the background. Someone didn't see, or the tanks getting beat up a lot. Just the amount of defense you can get. You can get just say you're a plus seven core, because why not? It's it's two yeah. it's a little over two percent per plus, so it's not a big difference. 
I mean, the amount of defense you can get, because your hat's going to proc, well, one of the three times. So if you have a pound in your group, it's another 12% defense increase. So you're talking like a 36 before Paladin, it's like a, it's close to 36 if you're plus seven. So with Paladin, you're talking almost a 50% defense increase to your entire group. That there. could be like an extra 600 defense. Yeah, depending and, on what you have. And I mean, depending on the attack values of the mobs, like six, 600 is, is huge. Like we may not necessarily think that 600 is huge on our end when we're thinking about buffing our attack, but that's because we're used to so many defense down effects on the mob. When it comes to the mobs attack versus us, 600 defense is, is is absolutely massive. It's it's like having like three protects on. Oh, it would be because protects like 200, I think. 220, yeah. Yeah, two, yeah. Uh, well, white mage protect is 220. Uh, a paladin protect is like three something. But just these mobs are, are so high in attack, they come over. I've seen, I think, a warrior and a weapons go set or something just getting attacked and they're dead in like three hits. Maybe they're berserks on or something. And you, you feel it. You, you definitely feel it. So I just, Actually, I always make the bard sing a min because it will save groups. And that's a lot better in a farm than ever having things go wrong. Who cares if you got 7k in that one run, the run where you got 3k because people died and shit got screwed up. You can prevent those dips by doing things like this. That's actually one thing that I saw a lot in, uh, in the runs when I was in Rua's group. Um, uh, Crowned was part of that group and he's like known for his ability to tank things on warrior or, or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but one thing that he noticed right away, like right a fucking way, was that he could not use Berserk in this content because it just dropped him. Like all the mobs would just drop him when he when he activated it. Yeah, that's why I sub Dragoon in there if I'm DDing. I don't want Berserk or Last Resort because I will die. And there's just no question about it. I will get hit by something or pull hate and the NM will kill me. And that's it. Yeah, so I, I really like the idea of Gallant's Roll. Um, I don't know where to work it in at because... I would uh, drop the STP, honestly, because you're not multi-stepping that stuff. It's dead in two weapon skills, and it's not that inconvenient. Over, yeah, the, course I, of I, a fight, over the course of a fight, it's a big deal. But so for those that don't know, on floor one and two, like when we're doing blue strats, for example, for my group, um, we'll actually have Chaos Sam on the first two floors, and then on floor three, we actually change to Chaos Ninja Roll, and we do that to the very end of the run, where we go back to Chaos Sam uh, once we clear the floor using jokes on floor four. And then we uh, kill the NM, like uh, it's usually the behemoth. Um, we just switch back to the like, DD rolls and we just crush him dead. Um, and we're not, in our setup in our group, we're not really skill training and the fight still doesn't take that long. I think because we've had people die the last couple times. I think the gallants roll over Sam's would actually be a, a very justified in this case. It would definitely help our mages uh, because they are notedly lower on defense. And I see them take a lot of AOE damage or they do that thing where, you know, you get aggro and you don't realize it. Or maybe they ran into the fight too soon um, after the tank because, you know, uh, or whoever's rounding up the mobs because they want to be right there with them to be able to cast like, cures and stuff. Um, there, there's just situations where they can end up stuff on them. And I, yeah, I think you're right. I think Gallantrol might be a lot better than um, than attack and potentially using um, uh, attack Gallants until it turns into um, like Gallants, even Gallants Ninja on floor three and four uh, might be worthwhile. I, I don't know. Yeah, higher floors especially. Even in the old Shoals uh, A and B and stuff, the highest floor, it's really, you know, the mobs are obviously a lot harder there from defense-wise, but just they hit you really hard. Yeah, and dead DD is still no damage. So, I mean, you got to find that that balance. So, who knows? Um, I think we can make up a lot of our attack buffs if we can just get our summoner used to playing summoner. And if we can keep that Ifrit war cry up, I think that'll help out quite a bit in making up for that. So, if your hat procs um, and you roll a three with plus seven core, you're getting 
47% defense increase. It's huge. Especially because we're taking a summoner too. So we'd also have another 10%. I don't know if it's it's calculated before that or not um, from the carbuncle. So you can really, no one should be dying at this point if we have proper evasion defense. And I'd rather do that than we've had some runs that get a little. That makes me want to go paladin and just like have over 5,000 defense on paladin. Yeah, even on Ruin, I'd appreciate this a lot because yeah. the, the amount of defense I get from a min and embolden protect is night and day. Instead of taking like 50 damage a hit from the mobs, I can take, you know, <laughs> peanuts instead. I would say, depending on like what buffs everyone else needs, that uh, Gallant's roll would actually do a lot more for a Rune. That, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Paladin's got enough defense to meet that threshold before Phalanx, and Rune does not. Nayame now will change that a bit because I'm just putting that in my sets, but. Even I'm already running one piece already at the head in the set, so I'm not going to gain a dramatic amount of defense to change that without something like Gallant's Roll. But yeah, man, um, mitigation was basically the the last thing I really wanted to cover on here. Um, I think I'm already there. Yeah, just wanted to make sure that, that people know that you know how to how to approach content and how to evaluate that content before they do. Um, the The goal of this series was to make sure that. People who are on tanks know that they can do more than just tank, that DDs are responsible for more than just mashing Torque Lever, um, that supports were for more than just cure spamming and then going AFK and hitting their 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 Bard macro for you know interaction there. I didn't talk about a lot with Bard on this episode, but just take take the ideas into account. Like Bard gets a lot of magic accuracy. Uh, Bard can do a lot of cool things that can interact with the other jobs trying to get their job done. And a lot of times people say that like Bard is boring. I have to DD on board Bard in order to have fun. Um, it, it depends. Like, I mean, setting people up for things, make sure that the group is cohesive. Like Bard has a lot of roles that aren't even sub white mage carrying. Um, just make sure you're, you're doing them all because like, that's part of your, your job main. You have access to all these things. So just make things smooth. And I'm not just picking on Bard. Like a lot of jobs do that. So just geo specific. <laughs> geos particularly so just make sure that your 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 group is acting like a group and that there's cohesion and that everyone is approaching things properly and you'll you'll see a lot better play like it'll it'll feel like you're actually playing ffxi instead of just hook smashing something and praying it works so i always make or i always whine and bitch until hopefully it happens because i've had groups that ignore me and don't do it for odyssey when i'm joining for segment farms i always ask for that extra Valor Minuet to not exist, the Valor Minuet 4, yeah. and it'd be a min 5 instead. If you have a, a max bard here, you're talking 201 attack. You're more likely going to have 179 or 190 from your bard because they're not maxed out with everything, or maybe they are, who knows. But 190 is realistic for that. A min 5, uh, if they're maxed out, is 387 defense. So that is, you know, literally has saved my people or groups, whatever, you know, just thinking of various people getting killed in there. So I keep calling my people, but um, that's made the difference in runs. And sure, you may be able to face roll everything if your group is like the most super elite people ever, but still that 200 attack versus the almost 400 defense is not going to keep you from face rolling stuff. And it will probably overall result in more segments than, you know, I've even in those super buffed up groups, I see people go off and die or pull hate on something weird and NM or something and die in shoals. So there's no reason not to focus more on defense than we do. Yeah, it's kind of like evasion. How everyone's focusing on how evasion super OP now. We get so many defense buffs too. But evasion and defense are OP. I actually really like that. Um, 
the the ideas people have towards this game are actually shifting in that direction now. Like we're not the only ones with these ideas, obviously. It's, yeah, I've seen it taking hold, and that's very good. It's good, yeah. Like we aren't just like, oh, attack is king. Let's kill this thing as fast as we can. We're seeing a lot of people actually start thinking through things, and it gives me hope for groups that aren't my own. <laughs> So that like more of these ideas can get out there and we can see, you know, better strats because I may not play with these people, but if more people get access to these kinds of strats and this this line of thinking, like we're going to get more ideas out there that are more that are exciting. And then I can use those ideas also. You know, SC is encouraging us, I think, with something like Odyssey and the way gear has changed and everything like this to more balance out these things like a bard is rewarded by using two tier five songs instead of stacking another attack song for less effect. And it's not that dramatic, honestly, because the defense downs mean the most here, not the attack songs. They just help when you're super starved. And even then it is 190 attack. It's 201 attack really nearly as good as the benefit you're getting from a stronger potency. Cause two, if you think about the JAs too, when those are on, that's even better. The, the stronger spell gets even stronger. So they're encouraging to balance. Yeah, um, it allows for greater buff diversity, um, and then you know the the more these jobs add to the party, uh, you know, outside of just being able to do damage, um, the the more you can diversify those buffs further. Um, there are situations where that bard doesn't need to sing an accuracy song if other people are taking care of accuracy, or you know that extra attack song. It's much less relevant automatically because you know the the defense feels like it's heavier because it is. Um, but it's also a lot less needed if you're providing the defense down effects on a different job. You know, you don't need that extra 200 attack because you're giving it like negative three, 400 defense. I wonder you know, what the defensive mobs in Odyssey are. I don't know. It feels see, low. See their, yeah. It was just, we t- they see their attack is ridiculous, but it almost feels like they're like full-time berserk. You know, don't, I don't want anyone to like take Ooh. that at face value. I'm not trying to say that they're full-time berserk, but it feels like that's the case. Because they they seem to have like fairly. It wouldn't be out of place because if you remember, we talked about the apex mobs having no magic defense bonus, not no, but like very little, extraordinarily low magic defense bonus for that. So it's not out of you know the realm here for them to do something like that. That's true. Yeah, and we're just going to see them play more and more with stats because the game's already spaghetti enough that they're not going to be able to raise our item level. I, I I highly doubt that that will ever be the case, but instead what they'll do is they'll play with the stats in such a way on these mobs that it'll feel like they're higher level than they actually are. Like these Odyssey mobs, like they hit harder than most of the 150 stuff that, that we run into. And that's because their stats aren't like from a 130 something perspective. It's these guys have the, the, the PDF of, of something that's like level 150 and yeah, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're all level 99 mobs. They're just, you yeah, know. exactly. And that's it's nice that Essie's doing that because as we see our gear creeping up, it's nice to know that the new content is creeping up. Unfortunately, the old content is just getting steamrolled. Yeah, the point now that you know it is very impressive a pup can go and duo all of the helm mobs, also partly because of how the the job works. But that's that's a signal, you know, it signifies how gear has come at this point where the stuff that used to terrorize people, people are still, I guess, kind of having trouble with them. But the stuff that used to terrorize groups and be a real struggle and you have to really work at is now something that a pup and a some trusts and a geomancer can handle, or a bard and a pup can handle with trust. Yeah, just look at the merch shouts on Azura, man. Like I They're remember when. Um, well, no, I actually remember when the um, the because seven helms, the the seven helms. I used to rem- I remember when that used to be like 80, 90 million. I remember now it's hundred something. Twenty. Yeah, hundred something million. Now it's down to twenty mil for a full clear of the seven seven helms because more people have access to it. 
it's really not hard to do. Only the newest no. people who don't have a group, don't have an understanding, aren't experienced enough. Only they have trouble with it, and those people buying it, unfortunately, because, hey, right. I can kill them easier if I buy this weapon and I'm stronger. It's like, no, that's not... Face rolling these has never been the problem, too. It's been the mechanics and stuff they have. You know, you gotta, yeah. you gotta stun just desserts, and having a better weapon is not going to accommodate that. Just get a balanced group of six people handling it. Um, in fact, when we did the, uh, that's actually funny you said that. Um, when we did the um, the cloud splitter thing with Mur, uh, where he cloud splittered uh, uh, Zerd to death, uh, we actually missed the stun on, on just desserts, and I healed through it on Paladin. That, that, that bio gets more intense as time goes on. Or no, no, I didn't heal through it on Paladin. We actually had our white mage, our Claire healed through it because I was on Rune Fencer because I had to rake specifically. So we we actually didn't even care um, that that just desserts went off. He just we just cloud splitted through it. Yeah, but that's because you have enough power to overcome that fast enough. Back in the day, that was a death sentence because the bio kept getting stronger and stronger. Yeah, but that's that's just to illustrate though that you know we can do stuff like that now, whereas the the creep is real, and that's actually one of the main things I I was concerned about for this game too. But you're right; it's refreshing that SE is is releasing content where the power creep of our gear is justified in how we have to fight these mobs. That's for sure. So since we're out of talking points here, something that's coming to my mind, is there anything like, I never considered Ninja using Agaha. I didn't even know Ninja got Agaha. Oh yeah. So I know Dancer can use a staff. <laughs> Most jobs can actually use a staff and do shell crusher. So not that, you know, I think a bard should get out there and do shell crusher, but that would be a good use for a bard to do. Yeah. A uh, pre TP, um, especially if you're talking about Odyssey uh, for jail. Mm-hmm. Um, you just pre-TP oh, and have a shell crusher, yeah. Hopefully they hit. I mean, that's because always a concern. The problem Carrot's having for something like Mabos or something, not that she just uses a ninja and cheeses it with Mewing Lullaby, which I'm sure everyone will just do, because that's, that's the <laughs> Which easiest. I also want to do. I, yeah, we, we can do I it for RP. Friends. We can do it for RP, but not the first V15. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, is that I, I she wants to do certain <laughs> things, and she goes, no one has a Beastmaster. Oh, God. That's true, though. Like most people who have Beastmaster are just have an AoE Beastmaster, which is not having a Beastmaster. Yeah, that's the same as having AoE Blue Mage, it's not having a Blue Mage. Yeah, you have the people who half ass it, just do it in order to like sell points or something. It's so dumb. They bought it. Uh, she should reach out to, to Beastmaster though, because he's part of our group, but he has like weird work schedules. Um, but he's an excellent beast, and like, like I said, he's one of the best beasts in the game. And uh, I think he would be able to help her do that. He's in the Discord. Yeah, I know. it. You know, I'm looking at Plenty Line Embrace again, and I know that the buffs are affected by the moon spell. Is the amount cured? It's not correct. I haven't used it in so many years. It's literally been since like the 75 cap when I was using it. Is the amount cured not affected by moon spell? Because that's even nicer. It is, but I didn't go too deep on it. It's not on the BG page. That's my fault, because I was the last one to do this page. I put this stupid table here that has the values, and... Well, you're the only one who sets these kinds of spells, man. They don't help you CDC. <laughs> Dude, oh, fact, sorry, expiation. I was just happy to use something stupid. I'm like, let me see if I can land. Because as dumb as it is to see if you can land, although something like lulling does not typically land, and I think um, the plague from Delta Thrust actually might when lulling does not. I think there's some issue with older blue spells and accuracy, um, but the fact that, that you can land... from Delta Thrust is really interesting. It is, and it is nice, but it only would apply to something like a Mewing Strat. Or, I mean, I know, it's kind of nice in like, I like. If it was a subtle blow strat, that would actually be important because you can still reduce TP moves further. If no one's using subtle blow, it doesn't matter. But if everyone's using a subtle blow strat, 
And even if you're not using Mewing whatsoever, having that plague helps because the point of Subtle Blow isn't always to eliminate TP moves, it's to reduce them. This is why you get the, the SU5 sword for Blue Mage. It's so that you can get Subtle Blow too. You know, the I, I, I've not considered that. The <laughs> only one I've considered is the Polearm for Dragoon, but then I'm like, mm, that's, that's not, really, not really worth it. But that'd be the one I consider. Not, uh, not Blues. Uh, actually, uh, Dragoon is, is an excellent one um, because the jump, the whole jumps and TP thing. Um, it, it's pretty good. Otherwise, if you have, yeah. yeah, if you, if you kept because you don't feed, you don't won't feed TP with jumps. So if you, uh, I have it in the guard, right? Um, so if you use like Aram for that in particular, that'd be good. But I, I think that you might be better off since you have summoners in that group anyway. Um, doing Ewing strats, I think capping subtle blow two for Dragoon using Siren is probably better. Yeah, but I'd have but then to you're, then you're, have to you're dependent that. on Siren. You know, and when you mentioned the sword, our embos, it might actually not be a bad idea, but I'm not going to, what is it, like 80 mil? I'm not going to go, and then I have to go augmented and everything unless I want to just spend every last piece of gill on buying it to R25, which not my be? Do you just want to be part of the no TP feed strat too? I just figured the way we're doing it, it wouldn't hurt. But then again, Tazona is such a big thing for, we had to do, the higher the V goes up, we going to do more damage. Well, with only one one source of Mew, unless you want to bring like a Beastmaster to use TP Drain Kiss also, um, I think you only really want one DD on there. So, I mean, those are going to be some really boring embos as watching my ninja kill it. But Well, yeah, I, I, was, I was not considering your ninja and my blue mage fight as I'm considering just my blue mage as we're doing it now. I mean, actually, that, that may not be so bad, even if we're not mewing, um, because Hayden and myself, we swing very slow because we're like one handed. If we come the same strat, you know, because for those listening, Hayden's uh, our Corsair, and then I was on Beastmaster, and if we were single wielding like we have to without subjob, um, we're not really feeding a ton of TP that way. So, and we can also back off on multi attack in our gear too. Is there anything we didn't cover with dancer or other jobs that that I don't think we covered in uh, like the DD episode? Like I can I can be like, oh well, you know how mind affects cures for white mages. Get Charisma, <laughs> yeah, like just, just guys, be mindful of your stats. Like, be, be mindful, mindful of the job. The job, yeah. I do. I, don't, I do like the fact that I already had the puppet master example right at the bat. Pup is a really good job to bring as a support DD to lower the P diff of the mob between box step, unless you already have a dancer and the automaton. Not that you couldn't have someone else in the party use Agaha or something, but it is another which would be more potent than the fifteen percent. Was it twenty percent? I'm talking about armor shatterer. No, armor shatterer is um 15%. I wish it was higher. It should be higher, honestly, but Agaha is at 20. Uh Agaha is uh 25 actually. Oh, yeah, wow. Angon is 20. So, uh Agaha and uh armor break are equal and then one step down is Angon. You know, SE really could have helped pop out there. But no, still it's nice to be on a job that I have that ability to do that with. And then if Anything happened since I'm a cheater and use auto control, I can have the puppet with white mage cure come out right away and, you know, pivot. Not that someone couldn't really, really quickly in the heat of battle try to adjust all of their stuff to recall the puppet, <laughs> which is ridiculous. Change all the attachments. Yeah, or, or just call it out with nothing on if they're that desperate. You could always do that. You just call it out with nothing. BRB, um, minute 30. BRB, <laughs> no damage gauge on. Oh, man. But it's nice to have a job that can fall back to heal. That's funny. Yeah, yeah. The, the flexibility is king, and that's always going to be my message. You, you, we, we are in no shortage of being able to kill content. 
Um, people who pretend that, you know, their DDs are something special really need to get over themselves. Like, well, no, it, too. What I feel, not just to cut you off, but it's because it's directly on that point, people who don't have trouble clearing content, uh, who typically do, they're just so well geared and everyone's R15 and everything and they're, they're so geared out that it's not a problem for them. Uh, until you know, something like Odyssey comes out and they're all like, how do we handle this? Uh, I don't know. We can't just kill it. Which you see, you know, I see it in Karis group and it just they have trouble. And then they, for some things like Bumba, they just overcome it by just killing it while not doing certain things. But it's exactly. the newer people who can't just kill it and are getting into the game and they're gearing jobs up and they're fledgling groups or pickup groups. It's those groups that can't just face roll it. So all of this flexibility, all of this synergizing with different jobs, all of these things come into play, whereas, you know, these experienced people who just sit there and say, I have every Relic R15, I have every Mythic R15, you know, those people don't have, they may not know how to form these strategies in this and that, but they generally can just overcompensate by just being purely geared out. Not always, obviously, but just they typically spit in the wind and, and it usually works most of the time. Yeah. I think those are the people that like us too are the ones who not only just care about the game, but the ones who aren't just face rolling everything and say they're like the coolest people ever and they can murk everything. You know, not, those are I think the people that like us are the ones who want to, they're into the game, they're newer, or they're casual and they don't want to be Hercules on everything. Yeah, I mean, I've I've done those strats. I just don't talk about them very often because there's nothing not impressive. Talk. Yeah, it doesn't mean anything. Auto attack, spam weapon skill. Don't die. Yeah, like it, people can can conquer content. It's not any kind of a thing like it's definitely not like it was back at 75 like you actually had to like struggle against things for like hours <laughs> that was kind of cool but it's kind of stupid ways, yeah you're, you're right and, and in, in some ways it was a good thing that people had to struggle against stuff and then in the other token it actually wasn't because you know you had to have so much free time to clear anything um when esha was new i liked doing dd strats because the evasion had not been nerfed twice yet and it was hard to do, and it was challenging, and it was an uphill battle. And you know, I couldn't find a dancer. No one had a dancer because why would you have dancer back then when everyone's magic bursting everything on Black Mage? And that felt really rewarding because it was still took longer by far than it does now. And then once the evasion came down once, I'm like, oh, now we can do something like you know, you go kill a Neek a lot better than the Black Mages were. And then when it came down again, now everyone you know, and then they nerfed Black Mage by a fixing. Uh, malaise and stuff like that once that happened and now it's just like now everything is face roll dd and i i'm kind of happy that in the 119 era i got to experience a time and place where ddng was anti-meta and fighting stuff face to face was anti-meta and now it's so you know just the easiest thing it's kind of like i finally had the satisfaction but now it's going to be gone forever i say that now but we are about to what, you got James Addiction playing in the background for us? No, I have stupid dogs. One in particular is real dumb. Um, but uh, And he uh, walked right through Bernie's, the door. Bernie's doodles are very, very, very stupid dogs, by the way. Um, he's probably barking at... Walked who knows right what. through the door. Uh, I don't even remember the point I was going to make. It's all right. It's working fine. It probably wasn't important anyway. Yeah, I think we're about done. Otherwise, unless you got Funk's chastity belt coming off in the background again this episode. Oh, no. I put the torque wrench away. <laughs> uh, well, All right, man. That was good. So, if anyone wants to join our link show, people have been joining our link show in game now. That's been kind of cool. 
I see that. I'm like AFK in the Mog House, and I actually like see chat in there from like people I don't know. I know so, it's yeah. great because usually there's no chat because it was all people that were new and talked in the Discord, but now people talking in game, which is nice. And of course, you can email us. No one posts in the BG forum for me, but if you want to come talk to me, uh, there I am. Otherwise, you know, email, YouTube comment. There's not much else to say. I mean, give us feedback, though. If you have ideas, I mean, we had the pot, the section of Discord for feedback, which lately has been feedback, and then we have a massive discussion, and I kind of lose the feedback. Originally, I was a stickler, and I'm like, feedback only, discussion elsewhere, so I don't lose it. And I can't, you know, with how many people are in the Discord now, I can't police that all day, every day, and it's natural. I don't want to stop my conversation either. I do it too. So uh, email us your questions, suggestions, topics, you know, and yes, we've been getting requests for things like uh, there's a ninja episode I think was asked for. I think there's also like a Dark Knight episode was asked for. I mean, yes, the job episodes are eventually. It might be time. It's been a long time, Fox. Maybe it's time to do another dar- job episode. I agree. Yeah, I think we're um, due for a job episode. Don't know what job yet though. Like 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 what my is- answer with the whole Dark Knight thing. Um, I know a lot about Dark Knight. I'm a good Dark Knight, but the problem is that I don't ever consider Dark Knight my first go-to when I have like a job like Dragoon I could use instead. So, you did have the thing with the axe and cleaving on Dark Knight you like, but yeah, someone did ask me yeah. Discord I think about Dark Knight. Yeah, I gave the best answer I could on that one. Like, I could give you good info on Dark. I mean, I couldn't tell you how to torque cleaver like a boss, but I hear it has something to do with weapon skill damage and vid um, <laughs> and hitting the mob. Oh, that's tough. Yeah, I don't know. We'll, 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 we'll think about what episode we want to do, you know, job-wise. I mean, we already covered the best job. That's why we haven't done another episode really, because we got blue and that's it. I'll just re- keep revisiting Blue. Yeah, I think it's also time to get another guest, too, besides just Funkin' Eric's for a job. I, I, I liked Yachtnar coming on. That was nice. But we need another Yachtnar. Let's see, uh, let's see what we get. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. You know, I keep getting all these tells from people. Maybe maybe someone qualifies. <laughs> Have another interview day. Oh, yes, that's right. we got to interview the people because Fox demands that they be of a certain caliber. I'm not just going to let any chucklehead on. Chucklehead? You let me on. Yeah, because I have to. Chucklehead. Who who uses that phrase, chucklehead? Dude, I'm bringing it back. Bringing it back. Just like, you know, other things people bring back that I don't know yeah. if I just want to blurt out. Yeah, so with that said, uh, definitely during, <laughs> join the Discord and email us if possible. But um, Lots of good conversations go on in the Discord, though. You definitely can't promote that enough. And you are fine to ask what to put on your steam fresh vegetable, uh, you know, <laughs> fresh steam vegetable. Then yeah, that's uh, that's fine. You can ask those questions too. There is the spicing with Ryan sub genre we have. So True. I had a fucking cannoli before I came on the thing tonight, Fox. A fucking cannoli. Oh, I placed those vegetables into the trash and shortened my life at McDonald's. <laughs> okay, that's it. All right, later, guys.